Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about why stats feel pointless. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or maybe Google Play, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll take you right to the YouTube channel. If you're wanting to support this podcast directly, you can go to SNTRPresents.com. Dot com. It'll bring you right to the Patreon to pick from those tiers. You can do the same thing on YouTube, the join button. They're identical tiers and support. So, now listen. I know folks are going to want to run to the comments and say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Stats are super important if you're you know doing things in PvP. I'm not actually arguing that stats are pointless. I'm saying they feel pointless. Or at the very least, really, really lopsided. There's only a handful of stats that seem to really matter, which is one of the reasons they feel pointless. It doesn't feel like you're actually choosing between different builds and different stats you're generally gravitating towards you know discipline recovery and then maybe intellect after it the other half of the stats don't seem to come into a lot of the decision making and i want to talk about ways to improve viability or differences in the stats themselves so i want to start the video by saying not all stats are equal and give some ideas of ways to change that then i want to talk about stat totals but not like why stat totals are kind of weird in the current iteration of them and then i want to end by talking about the the mods that we use in Armor 2.0, as well as our freedom. So first, not all stats are equal. First and foremost, I think we you know we already came up with a really really good idea for resilience. I think resilience needs PVE benefits uh, as well as reasons to increase it. It doesn't really do much in the Crucible. Uh, and it doesn't really do anything in PvE. It's very, very minor. It's not that noticeable. Now, obviously, if you're on a Titan, they attach it to the class ability. But in general, I think resilience could give pve benefits and one of i think one of the better ideas we came up with is you could get so high on resilience and maybe you get an intrinsic minor resist added to your character it's only one energy on a mod anyway and at a certain level of resilience you should just get minor resist maybe major resist as well leaving you know leaving the choice to pick boss resist if you want all three as a mod you could also unlock concussive dampener at some point so as you move up in the resilience tier, you get minor resist, then concussive dampener, then maybe major resist. This again would be a reason in PVE specifically to invest in resilience. It might actually give you a sense of survivability in some of the more end game content, some of the more challenging places. You might say, hey, I'm actually staying alive and tanking stuff a little bit more than I used to because I have these perks along with the actual, you know, the increase in your quote unquote shield, you know, shield capacity going all the way up now the other thing i want to say about stats not being equal is i think linking stats to class abilities was probably a mistake i think they might want to walk that back or change it or make a class ability stat all by itself that you can invest in with mods and then suddenly it's a seventh stat on armor to you know to be to be pined after or invested in separate it out because i feel like the hunters and the warlocks get to double dip especially warlocks warlocks get to you know really push recovery and then they also get a benefit to their class ability and then hunters get the increased mobility and they get the increase in their class ability and then titans are kind of like well i can get my my barricades really really quickly by investing in resilience but resilience in general isn't that advantageous of of a stat it doesn't do much in the game now if they made the changes to resilience i outlined at the beginning it might actually start to make this feel like a more balanced system with respect to you can have stats attached to a class ability if suddenly resilience wasn't so 
not necessary or you know really seemingly pointless for pve especially because that's usually where a lot of the builds and a lot of the the percentages come into is either really really tough end game content and then you have pvp now the challenge in pvp is making resilience equal to like mobility and recovery and i don't think you can do that you can't suddenly have somebody with max you know resilience taking five shots instead of three that becomes sort of a a rock paper scissors and then they're winning gunfights not because they're better but because they take forever to die so i don't think you can really mess with resilience in pvp in general i think it could cause a lot of issues also with respect to stats and builds oppressive darkness makes you know discipline really central to a lot of builds whenever oppressive darkness is around so maybe bungie could consider some things with strength and intellect so they could get similar treatment you could have a man you really want to invest in discipline for this build and strength for that and intellect for this now i know people are going to say no there are some builds like that I'm not disagreeing with that. Just continue to iterate on the idea that a simple mod like Oppressive Darkness suddenly makes discipline a central, you know, perk for building, you know, your your end game end game character. Now let's talk about stat totals, but not. So they're stat totals, but they're kind of not. I don't think anybody in the community is going to disagree with this statement that 89, let's just call it recovery. Let's say I had 89. 89 recovery being equal to 80 recovery is a problem. I, I, I think that that needs to be addressed. It doesn't make much sense. I've invested all this time getting high stat rolls, getting really, really good stats on my gear, and then I have an 89 recovery that is equal to 80. So I have 9 dead points. They mean nothing. They're throwaway. They don't do anything for my build or my recovery. One of the easiest solutions here is to ask the question what is a hundred percent recovery look like what is the what is the percentage that you get on the recovery rate increase when you go all the way up to tier 10 okay so take that total and all you have to do is that total equals a hundred and then 89 would be 89 percent of whatever that total is so on a you know on a, on a hunter max mobility is a nine second cooldown on dodge so if i'm running 89 percent of that i should get 89 percent of whatever nine seconds is like it's not as fast but i'm getting credit for every single one of my stat totals instead of throwing right now look how many per look how many numbers i'm throwing away I have 11 here, then I have 14, 18, 22. I'm throwing away 22 stat to- stat numbers. They just, they're just extra numbers that mean nothing. I think that'd be the easiest change to go to a percentage as opposed to 89 being essentially the same as 80. If they don't want to do that, there's another thing they could do that could soften some of this edge. Whenever you masterwork an item, you get plus 12 on every stat getting two so every stat gets a plus two which equals a plus 12 okay what they could do in this realm you know you see the little yellow dashes is allow me to pick where those 12 points go with only allowing me a maximum of like five per stat okay so and i could always change these if i wanted so when i take a piece of armor all the way up to fully masterworked you would let me then say oh i need three points in mobility four in resilience you know and then five in recovery you couldn't go beyond five that's too much influence but 
some influence of the distribution of those 12 points might really, really help in this department. It would allow you to remove all those 88s and 79s and 67s because they're so close. If you could just adjust a, like the distribution of those 12 points within reason, again, a maximum of five. So you could literally do a 5-5-2, you know, as far as stat adds on a piece. That would give the, the player just enough control, right? Just enough control to mitigate some of what we're talking about. So Bungie wouldn't need to overhaul the percentage system and the, and the stat system. Just give us a little bit more control of of the masterwork distribution. Either one of these options I think would work and would hit it from one angle. One's attacking it from a player agency angle. One's attacking it from just a sensible, logical, it's a percentage of the total. Give them the give them the 89% instead of it being equal to 80%. Okay? Lastly, let's talk about mods and freedom. I actually have said this before in other videos. I think the stat mods should cost zero energy to encourage more experimentation. And what I mean is this. Once you get your stats exactly where you want them and you go into a new season or a new year and there's these new seasonal mods for you to experiment with, putting those mods on runs the risk of completely disrupting your stat build that you've worked on and it's really really discouraging you from attempting any semblance of experimentation so if recovery these six here discipline strength intellect mobility recovery and resilience all cost zero what that would do it was it would bring you over to the mod slots and the season slot and really encourage that experimentation trying out a new seasonal mod would only really take away a reserve or a scavenger perk or you know maybe an ammo finder perk those were i think we're a little bit more willing to sacrifice those because those are divorced from our stats once you get your stats where you want them it's really really hard to say oh well i don't have enough energy points i got to switch recovery to something cheaper and I think that causes a lot of the strain. And again, it seems like a de-incentivization. I'm not going to bother experimenting. It's going to completely destroy my build. Our freedom is great, but some stats, mods, and builds aren't even viable. I'm not even talking about them not being like optimized for maximum DPS. There are just certain stats uh, and mods that seem completely and utterly worthless. That could obviously be looked at later. That's like a quality of life pass where they would say, we're going to make these mods better. We're going to make resilience matter in PvE. You know, those are things that need to be looked at to make other builds viable. It's like, I'm not going to go max resilience and run some of these mods that literally have zero purpose in the game, like unflinching on a sword or something. Um, I don't think there is unflinching on a sword, but you get what I'm saying. There are some, there are some mods and things that just don't seem to make any sense in the grand scheme of building. The more freedom and power they give us, the more they'll be justified to start doing hard mode dungeons, hard mode raids, and content that really, really puts us to the test. I'm not talking about 12 negative modifiers and a delta. I think Grandmaster needs retooled. But I do think if you give us more freedom and power in our builds, you are well within your right to start cranking up the difficulty in certain pieces of content because suddenly I can actually stack more on my armor, experiment more, mess around with the seasonal mods, and actually maybe get a benefit from resilience as I presently don't. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Google Play or iTunes, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com or support me directly on my Patreon at sntrpresents.com. As always, we're going to go to Q&A and VIP call-ins next. If you're listening in the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe. 
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session after my Stats Feel Pointless video. If you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or Google Play, you can always watch me live at saynotorage.com. If you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to a different.com. It's sntrpresents.com. sntrpresents.com will take you to the Patreon if you want to join uh, the patrons there. Or if you're on YouTube, you can use the join button. You get all the same perks, all the same tiers. So, if you're going to jump right into the questions today rain the dark says hey lono with the addition to stats via shadow keep i've never been particular for grinding stats due to the lack of incentivization and no reason to min max anyway could bungie look at this and make it more accessible grind well with here's the danger right we were asking for more power and more utility to stats make more stats viable make stats matter in more places okay um in if we get our way you can't also in the same swing make stat chasing an investment easier you can't do that because now all of a sudden it's like you've made it really really easy to min max and build craft which i think is uh is risky it's risky to make that more accessible what i would say though is we could remove some of the barriers to experimentation and one of the things i've said is the first mod slot should be free stats shouldn't cost anything so then when you're going to experiment you're not you're not putting your stats under threat stats are just how you have them and how you want them now obviously you know when there's new gear to chase new aspirational armor to chase you're going for high stat rolls you might slowly be replacing armor here and there especially with sunsetting but you're not going to feel this sense of experimentation is too disruptive now you say there's no reason to min max that's not necessarily true if you go into trials as a good player and you gut your stats and you really really hurt your build it's going to affect your ability to do all the things you want to do quick dodging quick barriers quick rifting quick recovery to re-enter lanes to keep map control going uh and then same thing in end game content just do it gut your recovery gut your recovery and your discipline and dump everything into mobility and strength and then go run hard content and you'll slowly realize it takes a lifetime for me to recover and it's slow like i'm dying more than i used to um so i would say saying that there's no reason to min max isn't necessarily true maybe you could say it another way and say there aren't enough reasons to invest in this and once i do invest in it it can be really disruptive to change like one mod then you're suddenly having to shuffle everything around and your stat build that you work so hard on gets disrupted. <clears throat> I think those are I think those are valid pieces of feedback to provide to Bungie. It's like, hey, you know, I'm I've been working on this build for the past couple of months, and then your winter season rolls around, you got these cool new seasonal mods, but I have to shift so many things, affinities and 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 stats. I just, I'm not, I can't be bothered. I don't want to mess with all of that. I think what I'm saying is different than like making it more accessible to grind. If you make it too accessible, you can change stats with currency or high stat armor is really easy to get. If you make it too accessible, you're, you're now giving a reason for Bungie to lower the power or the influence of stats and building 
and the reason is is because they make it too easy for you to get it um high stat armor and armor pursuit and adept weapon pursuits need to be reserved for hard content that's not something that should be accessible think about what you're doing categorically min maxing and making yourself as powerful as possible is a more hardcore sentimentality and therefore it makes sense for it to be in more hardcore lanes a casual player doesn't give a rip about this stuff they're not like what's the tier what i don't care they're just running around the public space and running strikes instead of saying there's no reason i'd say there isn't a lot of incentives for me as a player a, a good a good example for something that I think might help with this is positive modifiers that promote the seasonal mods. If if Master Nightfalls and above would have had Warmind Cell modifiers on them, you may have considered messing around with it. You know, Master and above get a couple positive modifiers, and you're like, hey. I've not really messed around with Warmind Cells, but wow, look at this. I can make some really strong builds because Warmind Cells are getting a positive modifier. That's an incentive for you to do it and to build with it. You're getting a clear benefit in the game. You're getting a very, very clear sense of power from it. And so that's why I set my sights on positive modifiers that one season. I was like, man, Grandmaster Nightfalls would have been so much better with some Warmind Cell positive modifiers. People would have started caring about it. People liked, you know, Warmind Cells. I think Warmind Cells were in a, were in a, they were in a weird spot because Tyrant Surge was so much more effective than the weapons. The weapons kind of got ignored. I'm usually a raider and I prefer it over the other forms of endgame, but with the current mod system, it's very restrictive too. Positive modifiers would absolutely help. Anytime it's optional, but potentially really good, I think that's a good incentive. We said that about the champion mods. Just let me put a champion mod on any primary, but then week to week, make certain weapons. You know, This week, SMGs with anti-barrier are stronger in every piece of content where there's champions. You don't have to run an SMG with anti-barrier. You, no one's making you, if you prefer your auto rifle or your sidearm, whatever. But they're incentivizing, eh. This week, you know, sidearms are, are really, really strong with overload. And you're like, I don't like sidearms, but I guess I'll try it out. You're, they're not making you. It's not a requirement. It's not a restriction. It's an incentive. Yeah, they're stronger. Try it out. You know, anytime it's, it's, a, it's an optional avenue to power, people will try it. And then it, they attach. This is what you do as a player. You don't even know you're doing it. When they create a bunch of modifiers and you run, let's say it's arc heavyweight and you run Wardcliff coil, they're not making you run Wardcliff coil, but you run it and you just bake the boss. You're like, yeah, you, you're like, I did, I did that. I chose this loadout. I chose this weapon. Boom. That was dope. Right. You attach the decision. You attach the power to your decision because you're sort of the one that that chose it. It's different than making me run a certain gun or build for a certain perk. Then I'm like, well, you kind of made me do this. It's like when you have to run a curated loadout (laughs) for a raid. You're like, (laughs) yeah, I had to, you know, it, it was a requirement. 
you don't really attach the achievement or anything to your to your choice or to what you're doing so if it's optional and you choose to ignore it or use it then you know it's it's then it's up to the player and then again you attach the power that you feel when you light that boss up or you use that sidearm that's been buffed for that week and you're like man I feel dope because you're the one that chose to do it you know I never think I'm powerful because of singes I just think wow that singe is dumb well it depends right because I was in a uh, I was in menagerie earlier and I was really enjoying the riposte fight because I was throwing the grenade on the on the the or the ogre and then hitting him with the projectile from my sword and the arc was just like burning and I saw the damage numbers popping up and then later I was getting melted by a wizard and I was like man freaking arc burn arc so I think it cuts both ways at least for me I, I feel like it cuts both ways I, I know people are like, oh, Arkburn doesn't do anything. I, I feel like it does. I feel like stuff dies really fast when I combine, you know, the sins with heavyweight. I mean, I you can get a calculator out all you want and be like, yeah, but Lono, it's only this much. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Experientially, it feels good. <laughs> it feels strong. Mav Monk. What relevance do armor stats have when mods appear to be substantially more overpowered? Infinite grenades, overpowered weapon builds, instant reload builds, ETC. Well, this kind of came up in the interim because, you know, Darksider was like, you don't even need mobility and strength on some builds for the hunter. You can just constantly have dodge and melee. And I said, yeah, that's true, but you got to play in a real particular way. And then he was like, I'm running Grandmaster Nightfalls. And I'm running top tree arc, and I constantly have my melee and my dodge, and I ran liar's handshake, and I'm I'm wrecking the champions. But he also said, you know, he had a, he had people supporting him. He had a, a titan on bubble and a, a warlock on well, because you're not going to run around as as a hunter in that environment and just punch your way to victory. You need somebody kind of buffing you and protecting you. And what I said was, I was like, well, I'm okay with that because that's such a particular way of playing and you've really got to synergize with your team. We just need more builds like that that's more in line with stat and build crafting than running an exotic, you know, or running, you know, because you're trading a lot when you go to that build. You're not helping your team with support. You're not helping your team with DPS. But what's he helping with? Well, he's taking out the trash. He's taking out the champions, I mean. He's not taking out the trash. He's taking out the heavy hitters. So he's trading a lot. And you might argue he's gaining a lot if he pulls it off. Getting rid of champions is a pretty nice trade. He doesn't have tether for suppression and debuff. He doesn't have celestial for DPS on a boss. But what he's doing is is he's taking out a pain point. So if you start doing builds like that, where you do feel like, yes, I can run this build and I am in charge of, you know, the mobs or the champions as opposed to just sit in a well in a bubble or just use tether, you know, for suppression. You're you're giving people those options. This is why I said, you know, resilience needs to have more reasons for people to run it. And, you know, tying tying the the stats to the class abilities might have been a mistake, you know. An anecdotal story for the discussion we had before Q&A in Season of the Worthy, you could solo Grandmasters with Assassin's uh, Crawl and Top Tree Arc Strider and Warmind Cells. Your melee would generate the cells, Assassins would stealth you. On killing an ad, you pick up the cell and it would give you an overshield and would create chain lightning, which would weaken ads, allowing you to keep stealth and overshield. 
again, that's so specific. I was more talking along the lines of, in you know, in the previous question, if you want to motivate people to try out builds, I think there's ways to do that. Not everybody's going to go watch a YouTube video or get out a stopwatch to be like, oh, I'm tier 9 on mobility, but I'm actually tier 10. You know, these little tricks in the trade, you know, these, these little secrets that we know about and these builds that we, you know, we know about. I think positive modifiers could really encourage people to try certain things out that ordinarily they might be like, I don't have any interest in that. It's too disruptive. It takes too much time. It costs currency. I don't want to do any of that. But if it's like, no, no, no. If you slap these mods on, you're going to be really, really strong on this content. You might be like, oh, well, let me take a crack at it. Techno. I feel the main problems with armor stats are that you can ignore four out of the six stats. How do you make high resilience or high mobility important to a warlock? Double dip question. How do you make a 50 feel different than a 59? Yeah, this was addressed in the talk. Uh, first, we said that, you know, resilience could have some benefits. If you hit tier five resilience, maybe you get concussive dampener. Then when you hit tier seven, you get uh, minor resist. Maybe tier 10, you get all three, right? So now you actually feel somewhat tanky. And minor resist, major resist, and concussive dampener wouldn't do anything to PvP. So you could make those intrinsic to resilience. Any character can max out resilience and feel those benefits. As far as the difference between 50 and 59, I offered two potential solutions. 59 should just be 59% of whatever max is. So if your maximum, you know, mobility cooldown is 9 seconds on a hunter, 59 should be 59% of that. Now, I know that gets a little touchy because you're talking about like half of a percent of a second, you know, the difference between a 58 and a 59 and a 57 and a 59 is very minuscule. But at the very least, you'd be getting credit for those nine points. You'd be close to whatever 60% tier is, right? So you break it down into percentages. So every point matters. You're 67 and you're 65 and you're 78. All those extra points, they're not throwaway. I just added up earlier, if you look at my character right now, the 26, the 55, the 73, all those extra numbers, I'm throwing away 22 points. That's a lot of points. You know what I'm saying? So my first solution was 89 should be 89%, okay? Instead of 89 being equal to 80%. The other solution that I offered, which would give people more control over this and it would help mitigate it, is anytime you masterwork a piece of gear, the plus 12, you can dictate where those 12 points go within reason. So you can add a maximum of 5 points per stat. So you could literally go 5, 5, 10 if you wanted. 5 in mobility, 5 on resilience, that's 10. You got 2 points left, 2 on recovery. You could do a 5, 5, 2, I'm sorry. A 5, 5, 2. You wouldn't want somebody to be able to put all 12 points in one stat bar. That's too much control. If I could do that, and I could always change my distribution assignments if I wanted, because a new piece of gear dropped, and it's got a bunch of a certain stat, so I can readjust things on my one-eyed mask, okay? Then I can fill all those gaps. My 77 can suddenly become an 80. Why? Well, if you have a 77 and a 53... Look what you can do. You can go and you can say, I want to redistribute these 12 points and you still you steal the three from the 53 and you slam it in the 77 and you round it out. 
if I can always change those assignments, and again, within reason, you can only put a maximum of five. Hey, you just masterworked this armor. Where do you want to put these 12 points? Uh, let me think here. I want to put it all on mobility. No, you can't do that. A maximum of five is all you can do. That would put the power in the in the player's hands. Like the, the agency would then be in your hands with a certain degree. So then masterworking would be more appealing. Suddenly masterworking is a lot more appealing because you can really round out your build. Well, I got a 76 and I got an 82 and I can kind of mess around with some of the stats here when I masterwork all this armor. I mean, you have five you have five pieces of armor. Multiply that by the 12 points that you get. That's 60 stat points that you could determine where they go. That's that is plenty to fix this problem of 89 being equal to 80. You'd be like, "Well, you dummy, just just re re redistribute some perks uh, stats somewhere." I think the counter argument is from a hardcore player speaking in a casual discussion. What? The counter arguments is from a hardcore player speaking in a casual player discussion? I'm not sure if you're talking to me or somebody in chat. This, again, would give you the player agency to really build a stat build that you want and then masterworking suddenly is a sense of pride and completion you know uh, your your stats are your stats it's something that you worked on instead of yeah I farmed the dungeon for a week and I finally got a pair of gauntlets where the recovery was a an 18 I had a 17 and I really needed recovery to hit an 18 and it really rounded out my build I it just it, it's a little because again, what's the problem? The difference between eighty-nine and eighty is nothing. They're the exact same. So you're throwing nine points away. And the benefit of going up from eighty-nine, you know, let's just take this for example: a six percent recovery uh, rate increase. You know, I, 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 come on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spend all that time for a six percent. You know, I don't think they want to do that again. It just increases playtime. Oh, you have eighty-nine recovery. We'll keep grinding. For that one more point. I don't know if I agree with that, Ashen. I think that there are two sides to this coin. I think if you're more in control of your stat distribution, you might play more because you want to get the right piece and you want to masterwork it and you want to get everything exactly how you want. So, I I do think... <clears throat> I do think that there's a risk of giving us so much agency that grind goes down but I don't think stat distribution or making an 89, 89%. Well, you still might want to increase it to 90, you know, but it would basically make it a little less painful. Greg says the stat thing sometimes needs, uh, something needs to happen. The only thing that matters in the end game are mods. Stats are like relievers, but they're so minimal. I've done every piece of end game except for uh, trials and grandmaster and never paid attention to stats. They just never really impacted my play or ability. I think at high level crucible you see a difference you see a difference if you want to be dodging regularly or you want to be consuming your grenade regularly I actually think your stats in the in in high-end PvP you will see a difference um, it, 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 it matters way more in crucible because the difference between you know a maximum recovery and mobility and PvP 
doesn't quite translate in 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 PVE, you know. I hardly disagree. I wouldn't have done my solo flawless prophecy if it wasn't for 100 stat discipline. Well, y- you you can't disagree if you haven't heard my argumentation. I said they feel pointless. I'm not saying that they are pointless. They feel pointless because there's only a handful that matter. As you're saying, discipline and recovery are the ones that mainly matter. A lot of the others don't. So, Darksider. Exotics, weapon perks, and orbs of light negating a large portion of stats. Do you think that adding additional effects to stats like more melee damage, longer grenade duration, or more uh, clusters for cluster nades could help the stats feel better? Well, see, now you're cooking with gas. Right? Now you're cooking with gas. If I hit tier 8 on discipline, my grenades will last for 5 more seconds. Now this could get really problematic in the crucible, so maybe they'd have to limit it. In the same vein of me saying, when you get to tier 5 on resilience, you get minor resist. It just adds it to you as an intrinsic. When you get to tier 7 on resilience, you get concussive dampener. When you get to tier 10, you get minor resist, concussive dampener and major resist you start doing similar things like uh if you get tier seven on strength your all your melee abilities now knock back kaboom and you punch the enemy and go flying back you know um if you get maximum mobility your i don't know your 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 jump energy when you're floating in the air lasts longer you know you could start doing that. You, you, you could start doing that. You could start really saying the higher you go up in each stat, you know, your jump, your melee, your, 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 your grenades will behave differently. Imagine if you made it intrinsic to intellect that if you were running intellect, maybe your super, whenever you got kills with it, generated energy or ammo or something. Dude, I'm running max intellect. Why? Well, when I when I blade barrage a whole group of enemies, I get a bunch of heavy ammo and I get grenade and class ability energy. You know. Unfortunately, if we think about what mobility should mean, mobility should mean you're faster and you run faster. You're like a little speedy guy running around the map. Why can't they do that? Crucible. Resilience. Resilience should have the ability to turn you into a tank and you can take way more damage. They can't really do that in the true sense of an RPG because it would ruin the Crucible. You'd have a guy running around that takes five bullets to the face and he wins almost every gunfight against people that are also not running Max Resilience. Max Resilience would become needed. You remember Juggernaut in World at War? Everybody had to run the perk that gave you more damage on your bullets because it was the only way to counteract Juggernaut in World at War because everybody ran Juggernaut. It becomes the, oh, you gotta run it because it changes the flow of combat. So both mobility and resilience get sort of relegated to, eh, it doesn't really do much because it would break Crucible. So that's why I think what Darksider is getting at in in this question is a good way to go. The idea that you can actually you can actually in get certain perks and benefits that make you want to invest in a in a certain stat. Crucible secondary for now. I think we should first focus on making stats matter more in PvE and then have to separate the effect for PvP. 
Well, if we, maybe they figured out how to do that for, for year four. Maybe when we go into Beyond Light, there's a way for them to do that. As I got news for you, that stasis subclass looks like it's going to cause all kind of problems. <laughs> so remove Crucible, gotcha. No. <laughs> I, I think that, I just think that Crucible continues to be that pain point. It just is, you know? Rar says, uh, I feel armor stats are irrelevant due to the fact that on my hunter, it feels like 100 mobility doesn't change much, so if my base number is higher equals better, and in gameplay, it's the mods that spice up the stat rolls. If you have a max mobility hunter and you don't feel like it makes a difference, then you're not running worm husk. I want you to spend an entire week running a hunter with max mobility and worm husk and I want you to go into really hard content I want you to run nightfalls and raids and dungeons and I want you to use it to stay alive and then after a week of doing that I want you to play on a titan and you're gonna hate it <laughs> worm husk with, with max mobility is so it's dumb it's stupid. Like I you you it's I feel like I can't die. Every 9 seconds I get to disappear and heal. I mean it's absurd. And then you switch to another character and you're like, "Oh man, this sucks. I'm actually taking damage and I can't get away from it." <laughs> One eyed mask. Oh, it's not the same at all, Doge. It's not the same at all. No. Uh-uh. And I used to get made fun of for running One eyed mask in PvE. Devour with Warlock. I said run a titan. I said spend a week running a max mobility hunter with worm husk and then go run a titan. You, it's I'm telling you, you're like, ah, oh, the animation on this wall, I keep dying. They keep killing me. Worm husk is ridiculously strong and influential. You know? So sure, you can talk about your devour warlock all you want. I said titan. You know, it's hard for titan to have that kind of a build. I think a lot of this comes from the fact that warlocks and hunters get to double dip. They get to double dip. A warlock gets to invest in its rifts with recovery, and so then it's free to spend everything else on discipline, so then you can just keep consuming your grenade for devour, and you know, I know one-eyed mask is easy to proc, doge, but it just isn't the same. If you want to measure the survivability of worm husk versus one-eyed mask, I just I don't know. I uh I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's near near the same strength. Let's talk about how BS handheld supernova is. Oh, handheld supernova is nothing. It's not what it used to be. Never get Titan with defensive strike. Listen, like I said, if you go into really really hard end game content and you're using worm husk and then you run titan with defensive strike i don't think you're going to feel like you're just your your survivability is just the same so again you guys are getting off the subject i'm not talking about how there are other builds with other characters you can use to survive i'm talking to somebody who says armor stats are irrelevant and they feel like their 100 mobility doesn't change much on their hunter i'm trying to educate this man I'm trying to educate this man about worm husk and what he should be doing with his build. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about the fact that there aren't other viable builds in the game. 
MG Avenger with the next question. <clears throat> Lono build video when? I don't do those type of builds. I don't do those type of videos. With Armor 2.0, the bottom three stats feel irrelevant because exotics or mods can do things better. How can they change these stats to not feel pointless? I think we've already had some good ideas today about what you could do. You know, let's say Tier 5 Discipline gives you, you know, a chance for a second grenade if you get grenade kills. You know, Tier 7 gets you a longer duration of grenade. Now again... Again, you're that you're you're gonna you're gonna run into problems here with respect to PvP. Because if you're giving me double grenades or grenades that last longer, I mean grenades are already really, really strong in Crucible for map control and choke point control. Um But but I think we're on to something when we say the, the farther up you go in discipline, it should be more, it should, should be more than just, yeah, you get a faster refresh on your grenade. It should be your grenade behaves differently now, or your grenade does X, Y, Z. And if you get to the next tier, you unlock another intrinsic perk. Um, a lot of this you're going to need. I think you're going to need though, unfortunately, um, you're going to need the the content to really answer the call if, if I listen if I'm able if I'm able to go in and get and get these kind of perks and builds you're gonna really invalidate you know everything but Grandmaster Grandmaster would be the only place why like it, it feels like it matters you want to say Wormhops is great because you never felt like the great power of the six coyote double dodge on bottom tree night stalker Oh, just, we're not talking about that. (laughs) I was simply trying to tell this man that he has 100 mobility, and he says stats don't feel like they matter, and I'm like, they do matter. I feel like you should only get these extra perks from tier 9 or 10. Now, Jay Golden, that's good pushback. They could be like, you know, in uh, Borderlands 2, where you would get all the way to the end of a skill tree and you get a capstone. They would be like capstones to that particular uh, stat. So if you get max, you get a you get a maximum tier nine or ten discipline, you get that capstone, right? Maybe you get the capstone at nine and it it's it gets a bump if you take it to ten. You know, maybe you get at tier nine resilience. Maybe you get minor resist and concussive dampener at nine and at ten they throw in major resist, right? So you really got to go up to 9 or 10 if you're going to want to get those extra benefits. Uh, Necro. I think stat allocation is the way forward. It would solve the issue of being at a plus 9 instead of 10. Masterwork stat points should follow suit. Your thoughts? Well, you basically already got your answer a little bit ago, Annie, in the video when I said that we should be able to determine where the 12 points go within reason. So... If, if I masterwork the item, I can take those 12 points and dictate where they go. Um, now, if you're saying I should be able to allocate stats no matter what, you're completely destroying the system. You can't destroy the system right now. One of the reasons you go for armor and you keep going for armor is the stat total and the distribution, right? It, 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 it's... 
it's determining the grind if I remove stat total and distribution from the grind and I determine it then what am I chasing right what am I chasing what what on the armor am I chasing but if you let me capstone the armor by by saying okay hey you masterworked it you can determine where the 12 points go within reason I don't think you should be able to put more than five you know out of the 12 points you should not be able to put more than five in a particular you know lane so the maximum you could do is like a five five two you know five in mobility five in recovery and then two in discipline a five five two would be your maximum now if you could always change these if you could always change these then you're allowing me to fix and reorient within like oh hey i got a new pair of boots uh they got a really really strong role on recovery and when i masterwork them i'm gonna do this distribution and now i need i've got too much on certain stat i'm gonna redistribute this other piece of armor like masterwork stats this plus the redistribution on masterwork would be a great evolution i think darksider suggested made distribution cost and ascendance shard or something like that yeah like if you get a complete build, if you get a complete build if you get a complete build and you want to change something um i i think that uh it would need to cost something not too much though not too much but if you uh, again if you give me the ability to determine where stats go all the time then you've gutted armor pursuit there is no armor pursuit well, no, there would be an armor pursuit. All you'd be trying to do is get a high stat total. Oh, this is a 63. Sweet. I'll replace it. Oh, I got a 65. Sweet. So then all you're doing is, is you're looking for the higher the higher stat total, and then you just determine where everything goes. That's too much control. You're, gu- you're completely gutting armor pursuit. If you only give the player control over where the 12 points go within reason capping it at five like you can only put five in a particular stat if you do that then players can round out their builds and not have as i have right now i have 22 wasted points i have a six a five a three a four and a four you can see all you gotta do is 26 55 73 I have 22 wasted points. If I could masterwork all these these items and dictate where they go, listen, if you masterwork all five pieces, that's 60 points that you get to determine where they go. Getting to determine where 60 points go, that's pretty good, right? Can we cap it at four? Goes into 12, is evenly distributed. Okay, fine. You're right. If we, if we you, you know, you maximize it at four, you could go four, four, four. That would be your maximum distribution if you really wanted to boost, you know, three particular stats, you go four, four, four. You know. That's almost another full armor piece. Yeah, letting me determine where 60 points go, I don't think you understand how much power that is. That's a ridiculous amount of power. You would really, really be able to craft your own stat build. And again, the reason this is okay is the time it would take to do this. You got to get the armor high stats. You got to masterwork it all the way up to to, to level 10. You got to have all your armor pieces masterwork to level 10. And then you got to consider maybe redistributing some of them. And if that costs an ascendant shard, I think that's totally fair to give that power to the player because the cost involved is pretty high. And the benefit is, you know, shaving off seconds on some of their abilities. My 100-160 dream would be possible. 
yeah and it would give you the ability to be proud of that you built that you invested in that you spent the currency and the grind instead of being like yeah you know I'd, I'd be able to get my 100 160 if I could just get a pair of boots with the exact perfect stat ro- yeah it, it's it's not up to you at that point so see what you're doing you're taking you're taking fractions and milliseconds of power and you're hiding it behind this gigantic random number chance game if you put it in the hands of the player it's a fair trade because now I'm getting to refine my build exactly how I want it really shaving off those seconds and it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of currency but I'm the one driving the bus it's like that's going to take a long time it's, it's going to take a while and you're like yeah but it's worth it right now it's like when am I going to get my 100 160 build Pfft, I don't know probably never the mathematical probability of it is just it's absurd it's not going to happen so you either go to a percentage based system because right now 89 recovery is equal to 80 recovery if 89 was 89% of 100 recovery at least you're not throwing away those 9 points so you either do that, a percentage system, or let me determine where the where the masterwork points go within reason, cap it at four. So you could go four, four, four. I don't want to be, people being able to put twelve in an entire stat. That would break the whole. It'd be too easy to get where you need to go. Capping how much you could allocate could change. Uh, wouldn't change anything. With a cap of five, you would just split the five into recovery and moby. Then another armor, another five recovery, five moby. It would be the same as putting 10 in a Moby in one piece, 10 in recovery in another. Uh, so the same distribution with or without the cap is just convolution. Right, but <clears throat> Darksider, you're limiting, you're limiting the power of an individual piece's masterwork when you cap it at four. When you cap it at four, one individual piece would, would not have that kind of power. Right now, you could ma- what you masterwork two pieces, and you throw what twenty four on mobility on you know twelve on twelve on each, and you know you're you're a third you're you're a fourth of the way to max just from two pieces. You if you if you break it up, I think it makes sense. It's like eh, within reason. You can't just dump twelve points on one thing. That's that's how I would do it. Could full armor stat allocation work in any way within the current system? Full armor stat allocation. I don't think so, dude. I don't. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you give me full stat allocation, what am I grinding for for armor then? Why do I get that? Why do I keep going for armor in a raid? Why do I keep going for 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 armor in uh, in a dungeon? Why? You've got to create a new grind because you just took away the primary grind, or you've really simplified it. Yeah, just grind for raid armor until you get like a sixty-five or a sixty-six, and you're done. Just max, you know, masterwork all five pieces, and uh, and you're done. Just put your stats where you want them. Um, Here's why I think that's problematic. That feels like a super, super traditional approach to RPG. And Destiny's not a super traditional RPG. 
it's gear based if that makes sense so your stats and your power you know a lot of it comes from you know the gear in the game you'd make different builds see this is one of those times though that like I kind of said this yesterday I don't like spending a bunch of time on something that won't happen there's just no way there's no way we're going to go from six years of the system of stats being attached to armor to being like you know we did this whole armor 2.0 system and build crafting yeah we're just going to let you pick where all the stats go they're not going to do that like it that's why when you guys were like talking about crafting i was like they're never going to do that they're never going to ham fist a crafting system into destiny 2 they're just not it's not built for it we don't have the perk depth we don't have the weapon pool depth to let you pick perks or to craft perks or to craft god rolls this game is not built for you to go in and be like i'm gonna pick where all my stats go and then armor is for what you know what i mean so it's great that you come up with ideas. I don't like entertaining ideas that either don't really square with current systems or are like so out of left field, it's never going to get ham-fisted into the game. With the redistribution, you can keep the current systems. It's just something extra for the player, just like they allow us to change affinity now. Right. It's a slight increase in player agency to round out some of these problems. It doesn't completely jettison the system. It doesn't completely jettison the system. It's, no, if you choose to fully masterwork this piece of armor, we're going to give you some player agency on stat distribution. Some. Like, changing the affinity of the armor. Or, I think we should be able to change the masterwork of weapons, too. You can use the menagerie to pick the the masterwork of a weapon. And you know, the... I think you can do it for the affinity armor as well. And the fact that we can change affinity on armor, we should be able to change mass work on a weapon. Full stat allocation would jettison the whole system and negate the point of grinding outside of transmog. It wouldn't even be implemented till next year. We don't even know how transmog is going to be implemented, so you can't cite transmog as a reason to grind for armor. We don't even know how it's going to work. <clears throat> right? Currently, currently in the current system... The main armor grind is appearance and high stats. Appearance and high stats. And if you remove the stat aspect of it, what makes one All right, let me let me let's give an example here. Um here, do we have Oh, it's on my hunter. Let me let me grab my hunter. Okay? Let me I'm going to show you guys something. When I was grinding the dungeon with my hunter, I got, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of armor pieces. And they've got all kind of different combinations of stats. So here I have four uh, four gauntlets. Okay, I got these the other day. We were trying to get the we were running the, the scourge. So let's just look at the gauntlets. So I have a sixty-four solar. Actually, the affinity doesn't matter because I can change that when it drops and it's low energy. It's really cheap to change the affinity. So I've got a sixty-four, a sixty-four, a sixty-four, and a sixty-two. So these three pieces of armor. They're all completely the same if I can choose all the stat distribution. They're all the same, but they're different right now because of their distribution. This has got 21 recovery. Oh, that's a great roll. This has got 18 recovery and 10 mobility. That's actually really good for a hunter. That's, you know, that's really good distribution. We got no resilience. That's not bad. Resilience doesn't do anything. All right, look at this one. 
19 resilience, 12 mobility, no recovery, no discipline. Okay. So now there's a difference between each piece. It's like the difference between a god roll, a good roll, and a trash roll. There is a sense of armor is more than a stat total. And this is why you have to be super, super careful with player agency. You have to be super careful with player agency. Because if you're not careful, you're going to completely invalidate. You're gonna you're just gonna completely invalidate grind. Too much player agency in and in, in, in honestly too much generosity. Okay? Generosity is not the enemy of engagement, but it can be if you're not careful. If you make everything just rain like too much loot and you have too much control and I get god rolls in about a week or two, ah, that's dangerous. You got to be real, real careful. These are delicate knobs that we're turning here. How much generosity? How much loot should drop? How often should it drop? We got rhythm and quantity. You know, let's configure this dial. We got this dial over here. How much control should the player have over stat distribution, perks on guns, their masterwork, right? These knobs are super delicate. You overturn them and you have the the people standing in the tower at the end of Season of Dawn and ordering god roll guns like value meals with the uh with with the what was it that we were donating the fractaline? It was way too much. It was so generous. It was so much agency. Now, why did they have to do that? Well, because the content was only there for three months. So they had to over course correct the knobs. It's like, well, sundial and these guns are gone in three months. Whoop, better turn these knobs way, way up. And the water's too hot. It's like when you turn the knob in the shower too far to the left, and it's the difference between standing on the sun and sitting in a nice sauna soak. It's like, oh my gosh, my skin's gonna come off. They turn, they overturned. So I think they can have an easier time configuring, you know, player agency and generosity in year four because they're removing uh, the idea that like content's only here for three months. Future topic: player empowerment or maybe player agency. The- if you let me pick where every single stat goes, that's not Destiny. I'm suddenly playing another game. We've never played a Destiny where I can go and be like, give me, uh, let's see here, uh, 100 mobility, 70 recovery, and uh, let's see, 80 discipline. Like, you can't give me that much control. Too much control in the hand of the player removes so many elements of a game, whether it's trading or crafting or stat distribution i tend to feel like necro especially you're if we're like looking at like a like a like a graph where the needle moves left to right your needle leans so much in the direction of agency player agency and player control and i feel like it leans so far that level of player agency and player control doesn't fit in Destiny. It fits in other games. So it's not that that level of player agency and control is bad. It just doesn't square in Destiny. You're going to dissolve grind, loot pursuit, time spent in the world, the excitement of things dropping. It's like your needle's so far over there. It's like shaking. It's like, give me control. Give me crafting. Give, let, me, let, me tell, let me tell me, let me tell you where my stats go. Like that's just too much control. 
it's not that they're bad things your desires and your 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 way of putting things and arguing things it's all fine but it's like man destiny just isn't built for that you're going to destroy the game with that level of control. All you have to do is look at Menagerie Bug and the end of Season of Dawn to see that too much control, agency, and generosity can actually be detrimental to player experience and, and the sense of reward. I'm tired of getting my god rolls in the tower. All my best weapons from this year are from the tower. I've ordered them like value members. All my God roll perfect paradoxes. The cool, the good rolls I got on my false promises auto rifles. My Icolos SMG. My Icolos sniper. Since year three started, since Shadowkeep started, all of my best guns I've gotten in the tower. Come on, man. That's boring. We got to get out of the tower. Weapon boons, you know, manipulating what drops from where, and then I just grind the crap out of it. Drops from the boss, boom, let me check it. Drops from the boss, boom, let me check it. Bring that back. We just keep ordering value number five in the in the, in the tower until you get the right combination of pickles and ketchup and mustard that you want. You're like, yep, perfect burger right here. Get us out of the tower. It's too transactional. What do you mean, look at Dawn? I farmed the most and played the most activities during the end of Dawn, farming all the Fractaline. Right, 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 right. But, but, Darksider, it's not about the time that you played. It's about what you were doing with that time. You spent a disproportionate amount of time standing in the tower. I want you doing that, and I want you feeling that sense of reward and empowerment out in the game world. We spent a disproportionate amount of time in the tower. That's the issue. I don't mind you feeling empowered and like, I'm going to go out and the drops are good and my agency is strong. I can craft, like Menagerie is a good example. Like I can craft it. This is what I want. Not craft it like crafting, like with materials. You're like, I want a ranged masterwork and then RNG takes over. But you're out in the world playing. That's my main issue with Dawn. That's my main issue with this season. All of my god rolls are are from standing in the tower. Now, some of my more exciting drops this season, some of my more exciting drops, dungeon drops. I would get to the end, I would check it. I would get to the end, I would check it. Those are some of more my exciting drops. Like, oh, dang, dude, a 64. Like, when you see something like this drop, and you're like, holy smokes, 21 recovery, 15 discipline. Slap a mod on there for mobility, and you're done. Take it up to a 12, masterwork it to a 14. Ship it. Great roll. That's exciting. That dropped out in the world. I farmed for that. I didn't order that in the tower. Where's those boots that I got? Yeah, look at these boots. Look at these boots. 113 total stats after I'm all said and done with it. Where did I get these boots? I was in the dungeon. Some of my most cherished pieces and drops this season have come from that dungeon. There is a reason that's more memorable. It's tied to the player's experience. What on earth, what on earth hooks you in Diablo and Borderlands and Destiny? It's the poom, out it pops. Ding, 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 ding. Your most memorable loot moments in Destiny 1 was Fatebringer, Vex Mythoclast, drops in content. 
a chase and a pursuit and a grind that you did every single week. Oh, dude, yo, no. It was when I bought the hung jury from Dead Orbit. What a moment that was, dude. Yeah, landed in the tower, ran over to the to the dude up in the up in the you know in the hangar, and uh, yeah, dude, I just bought that hung jury. Woo, that was lit. No, people remember when they got the Fate Bringer. People remember when they got the Vex. That's a memory. You're creating a memory. You're doing something that is active rather than static. I don't remember any exceptional loot from the dungeon. I remember Devil's Ruin, Bastion in the Steel Feather Repeater, getting the roll I wanted the last day of the event with Fractaline. Okay, but we we have different opinions and, and, and we have different ideas about what's good. I don't want to take away your ability to do that, Darksider. I want you to do it out in the game world. That's all I'm saying. You, you're, you're missing me. You're driving past me in the night here. I am 100% okay with you being able to get your God Roll Steel Feather Repeater. I just don't want you doing it in the tower. That's all. I want it dropping from a boss. All you have to do in Sundial to make it a perfect encounter is we interact with the machine first. That's it. You configure the machine first, and then you go and play, and out pop the engrams from the boss, and you go and pick them up. I'm telling you, that would have a greater effect on players than what we've been doing. It's more memorable. It just is. If it's memorable to get a god roll in the tower, how much more memorable would it be for you to get those god rolls from a boss drop? You, you're excited about him from the tower. It's a bigger injection, I think, of like dopamine and excitement if you're doing it out in the game world. I can remember June 2015, the summer before I got stationed in Japan, doing Crotazen Death Singer and finally getting my galley. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Getting season rank 470 feels better in Worthy than Dawn, because in Dawn, I stood in the tower getting free XP while in Worthy, I went out in the world and grinded the bounty while doing something. I never want to take away the principle and the spirit of player empowerment and generosity. I never want to take that away. I just don't want it to be in the tower or attached to bounties. It needs to be dropping. That's it. That that psychological connection that happens to the player, I think is so vital and important. And we're missing that. One of the reasons I think so many people have felt like just the magic has gone and the love is not there and the spark is gone is because we're just going through the motions this happens in relationships just going through the motions man shake it up do something a little bit different eat at a different restaurant you know they need to be dropping out in the world uh Kilston more like armor stats feel pointless to the average player for min-maxers and hardcore players the stats you have a point some more than others that is not a question uh Mr. Han Brolo bit of a reaching question but do you think that we should have a luck stat with consumables to increase our chances for low drop rate slash rare items such as 1k and things maybe implemented after a certain time in the year or season oh shoot uh loot 2.0 diablo guys have great thoughts on why this is a terrible stat um and we talked about it when it was an anthem and i cannot remember the line of thinking um, it has something to do with the fact that it's a dead stat. Uh, a magic find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic find. Um, 
it was a magic fine thing in Diablo that they got rid of, and their their reasoning was really, really solid. It had something to do with it being a, a dead stat that you felt like you you had you had to run it. I can't remember what their reasoning was. There's a really, really good argument against luck as a stat. Um, it was basically luck is magnif- uh, magic find. Um, it should just be replaced with generosity. Right, you're making it. You're, you're making the player influence generosity instead of the game having its own generosity system in place. Uh, Path of Exile has a staff for increasing the amount of loot and quality of loot, and they are boring characters to build around farming for loot for selling. Right. Yeah, it, it becomes less about the player and the power fantasy and more about this guy is just a this guy is just a pack mule that I take into content to try to get better stuff and he's not he means nothing to me. Right? He's just a crash test dummy with really good luck. I just throw him at content and hope stuff drops. Um So no, I am against a stat and a perk like this. Because I think it does. I think it takes away from the sense of pride of, oh yeah, I worked really hard on this build. I have, my axe is really strong and my ultimate's really strong and I get thus and so ability back really, really quickly. Instead, it's like, no, yeah, I get extra stuff to drop, you know. (laughs) It's just a lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, I would say that the content having its own intrinsic, you know, generosity and luck factors in place like they do with Nightfall Drop Protection and the Exotic Drop Protection now in Raids, I think it's probably a better route to go because then you're controlling the sort of meta hive experience as opposed to one person banking everything in luck and like throwing off the algorithm and getting everything too easy. You don't like the Leviathan Exotic Ghost Shell? I thought that was pretty minor though. He's talking about an entire stat that would affect everywhere you go. I don't think that's the same. Yeah, Anthem had a luck stat as well, and it always felt like, oh man, this this armor's this armor's great, but it doesn't have any luck. I need luck. You start to lean on it way too much. It becomes all encompassing. It's like, well, if I want to get good drops, and then what happens is this, okay? The luck stat becomes a placeholder. Do you see? I'm gonna build my build, and I'm gonna get the highest luck I possibly can. And then I'm slowly going to try to find armor pieces that don't have luck to replace all these pieces. Do you see? It's, it's stupid. It's like you're adding an extra grind. Get yourself the maximum luck build that you can. And then you start the real grind. The grind to replace all those pieces because you don't need luck once you're at a certain level in the game. You're like, I don't need luck anymore. And then, new content, new raid, you pull out your luck build. <laughs> You're like, here we go. I'm going to squeeze the drops out of this. Oh, yeah. And then you take all the luck stuff off. Yeah, it's, it's an all or nothing stat. Exactly. You put all your chips on the table for luck. Once you get everything, eh, you start, you use it to replace gear. So, I don't, I, I don't want that in the game. It sounds so good, but I think it causes more problems than it's worth. Hitman, when you stand back and look, our characters don't actually grow outside of new level caps. Flip-flopping stats make such minuscule changes, but I think this is exactly what Bungie wants, to keep everyone close in the same lane. This is not much of a question. I mean, 
there you can't just make you can't make us get infinitely stronger so you know the the premise the premise here is is sort of a critical premise you know we don't really grow outside of new level caps all we're really doing is flip-flopping stats the premise has what laden within it a bit of a criticism but this isn't really a criticism we can't get infinitely stronger look look at it this way if there's two scales and one is you getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and the other scale over here is the is the enemies and the bosses they start to fall behind so then Bungie's like well we gotta buff all the enemies and the bosses don't you see my hands are still even with each other you haven't gotten any stronger (laughs) you seed and then they sawed it's just a seesaw it's like oh we're too strong raise everything in the game and then my hands are still right next to each other you have not gotten any stronger in that scenario either. If they just let you infinitely get stronger and stronger and stronger year in, year out, you either obliterate you obliterate the game or they have to raise the game to match you and that means you didn't actually get stronger anyway. You know? You never simply took off the magic find because it increased your grind so exponentially that it'd be a waste of time to not wear a magic find. Well, what I was picturing in my mind was you get a maximum luck build, you get all the best armor you can to replace the maximum luck build, and then you throw that on for something that's really, really hard or really, really challenging. But then as you're saying, well, now you're going to go into content that's really, really hard and challenging and you just gutted your luck find. (laughs) You know? It, it's it become it becomes like oh, you have to always leave it on you know <clears throat> the last coquie says i feel like the main problem with armor stats is the pvp versus pve balance but with beyond light maybe the engine change do you think they might see somebody of oh, some way to buy uh to pass this problem to evolve the stats Obviously, we've been continually hoping for a new engine for a variety of reasons. One of those reasons is to split the sandbox down the middle. Allow me to actually... Allow me to actually build a maximum resilience build where my character is a tank. But it doesn't work in, it doesn't work in Crucible. Dude, oh my gosh, I'm taking so much more damage, man. And yes, my grenades, abilities, and super are, you know lower accordingly but I'm not going to the crucible and messing everything up you know Tim Preston says will Bungie be able to avoid power creep when it comes to armor getting better each season well no because it's not the armor that's getting better you're always going to be able to grind for high stats to keep your build going and there's going to be seasonal mods to try out different things but your armor year to year is not going to be, you know, necessarily uh, stronger. You're just sort of replacing it and then trying out different seasonal builds if you want. You know, almost everyone stacks recovery disproportionate to anything else, and almost no one uses resilience through the effects being so minuscule. Maybe just have a flat recovery rate and resilience. Well, one of the ideas we had earlier, Bird Bro, is what if you hit tier 9 on resilience and you got like minor resistance and concussive dampener it just gave that to you and maybe when you hit tier 10 they throw in major resist so it's actually helping you in pve with resistance i I don't know that might be suddenly like you know this is worth investing in and it's not breaking crucible minor resist and concussive dampener and major resist that doesn't do anything in crucible 
You could do the same. Like, think about what they do with recovery. The higher you go up on recovery, you don't just recover quicker, like after so many seconds. Your bar fills faster. Do you see? Maybe you could make resilience have an interplay with recovery. Maybe if your recovery is gutted, it takes longer to recover. Yeah, you're going to recover after. What's my recovery at right now? You know, I don't know what that is. 29%. So you have to count the seconds. Yeah, you're going to recover after four seconds of being in, in, in cover, but your resilience is too low. It's, it's going to slow down how f- fast the bar fills. Maybe something like that. But I think hitting certain tiers and unlocking certain things intrinsically would give them the ability to give certain tiers a little bit more of a, hey, you might want to run resilience and strength. There's some cool things in there. What if you hit a certain level of strength and you automatically get hands-on, which is the increased super energy for melee kills? Or, you know, you hit tier 7 on strength and all your melee abilities do knockback. Boom! And then the enemy goes flying back. Now again, we're getting really, really far down the road here. But adding effects and intrinsics to tiers could be a good way for you to say... You know, recovery's nice, but some of these other builds might have some play. It, it, recovery's kind of boring. Like, I like recovery, but if I can get better about staying alive and staying in cover, I can take my recovery down to a 70 and invest in some of these other things and get some of these other things that'll change the way that I play, you know? Star Wars The Old Republic Vanilla, I built a Sith Marauder. He was a DPS tank. I could take tons of damage, but I could also do, do extremely high amounts of damage. It was broken. Yeah. You got to be able to trade one for the other. You can't get both. A DPS tank is kind of... (laughs) I mean, I guess he's not running support, but a DPS tank does feel a little bit, as a phrase, seems a little silly. You know. Ashen Hollow. Has Bungie shown they're up to the task of of meeting increased power with more challenging mechanics? Does the game even allow for a spectrum of power right now? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I said at the end of the video, I said that... The more freedom and power they give us, the more hard mode uh, endgame is needed. You know? The more the more power and freedom you give us, the more you're gonna need the more you're gonna need to give us that hard endgame content. You know? That's 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 I think the, the context that I've been kind of looking at is this is why we need more nuanced, better endgame hard mode content, because we can make ourselves really, really strong and trivialize virtually everything except for Grandmaster Nightfall. <laughs> like, Grandmaster Nightfall is like the only thing that kicks you in the teeth, and it does it in what I feel like is just such a cheap and lazy way. So, you know? So, I, I, I think one has to come with the other. One has to come with the other. So, all right, we're going to transition to VIP call-ins. If you're listening to this in the other locations where my podcast lands, maybe you're on Spotify or Google Play or iTunes, you can always watch me live at saynotorage.com. That brings you to the YouTube channel. Maybe you want to support directly, you can go to my Patreon at sntrpresents.com. sntrpresents.com takes you to the Patreon. If you'd rather do a membership on YouTube by clicking join, they're exactly the same. So, as always, if you're listening to this content in the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP call-in session after my Stats Feel Pointless video. If you want to support this content directly, you can go to SNTRPresents.com. 
That will take you to the Patreon. Or if you want to watch live, you can go to saynotorage.com and that will bring you to the YouTube channel. Clicking join on YouTube has the same member tiers as going to sntrpresents.com. And so we actually have a new VIP today. It's his first time calling in, so we're gonna let him we're gonna let him call in first. Uh, wanted to be a part of it, got called in, got synced up in Discord. Bird bro, what do you have for me today? Oh god. I wasn't expecting to go first. I just <laughs> stuffed my mouth of chicken. Hold on, give me a second. Okay, well why why he's doing that, I'll let you I'll let you I'll let you chew. I'm gonna go to Doge. Doge, pick the ball up and run with it. Bird's eating. Bird bro's eating. So I'm gonna bet you like uh like you said like uh, the worm husk build like once you like do once you like the worm husk you can't go back. Have you tried like Ashen Wig with like max discipline? Like uh like Ashen Wig with max discipline and bomb tree like uh bomb tree sunbreaker is like insanely good because like you tend that your grenade back like insanely fast. You get like a bunch of healing from kills, and mm-hmm. on uh, sunspot, the sunspot can like clear ass and give you a damage buff. I've actually not. I've wanted to do that because I think I actually have like a really really good Ashen Wake roll. I don't remember when and where I got it. Um, let me look here. I have a no. That's not it. I have a sixty-five. I have a 65 Ashen Wake with 15 strength and a 60, yeah, 65 with 15. So, I mean, oh, and it's got really good recovery too. So, yeah, I can see myself experimenting. I mean, that sounds fun. Uh, it's a 65, 22 recovery and 15 strength. Um, well, you don't want strength, you want discipline, X right? So, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong stat. Um, yeah, I, you know, I could, I could see, I could see, oh, this is the better one. This is the one with the 16. Like, that's still a pretty good, uh, spread like with 22 like recovering 14 uh discipline that's still pretty good yeah i think the distribution's a little bit better on on these here uh it's just a 15 16 16 right down so really good you know resilience recovery and discipline um so yeah i would say the 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 way the way that i always approach builds is i always think what's going to be the most fun or what's going to be the most applicable to where I'm going. And sure, this build sounds amazing, but I think my problem is, is most of the time I'm running Titan, I just want to run oppressive darkness in a bubble because it just feels so helpful. Uh, I guess I'll just have to wait for like a solar week, you know, on strikes and take that for a whirl because it does sound pretty fun. Uh, And I remember somebody talking about a really, really good Ashen Wake build. And I thought, oh man, I have a really, really good, you know, Ashen role that I could, uh, that I could use in that, uh, in that, in that build. So I, here, here's, here's again, I think the problem we can go to all these specific builds. I know, uh, Darksider was really beating me up today. He was like, there's this build, there's that build. There's all these insane builds that override. You need to even care about stats and I know that that's true, but I think the problem is, is I just never see the game motivating me or incentivizing me to depart from the meta builds that just get the job done. Where's the motivation to do the Ashen Wake build or a, I don't know, a Doomfang build? I, I don't know. And I'll be honest, I've been using Actium War Rig and Armamentarium because they feel really, really good when I'm running Xenophage and having two oppressive darkness grenades is really, really fun and it feels really, really strong. So 
I, I would say to be fair, I have done some adjustments to my typical build. I usually would just run Saint 14 one-eyed mask or skull fort is typically what i was running and i'm happy to be switching my helmet up because i think the helmet this season is dope and the armor pairs really well with actium war rig and uh armamentarium for like appearance and then you know i don't know what uh what ashen looks like yeah ashen's not bad i mean obviously i gotta put the i gotta put the carminica on there because that's the only shader worth using right now um that's not terrible. He looks he looks a little bit like a like a can opener or something like his his arms <laughs> his shoulders are a little big, but um well maybe too round. I I am always open to other builds. This is where I think Bungie can create really good builds but then give us a reason to try it out, give us a reason to run it. Um and that that I think is a little bit more difficult because there are just so many exotics and so many build potentials in the game that this might be super elusive to somebody. They would never consider running Ashen. And they updated Ashen Wake recently. Isn't that why it's so good now? Basically, it gives, like, uh, it dips back your grenade energy for, like, a kill. Like, a minor is, like, 25%. Mage is 50%. And Ultra is, like, 100%. Yeah. So they're, they explode on impact. And they final blows grant you grenade energy in relation to the enemy that you the, the the level of the enemy that you kill so yeah i mean i'm i'm always happy to try things out i would be happy to try out this uh this build i uh i like i like messing around with different things i remember when i was running you know endless ammo builds and sundial and running that you know heavy ammo finisher i don't know it felt cool it, it was it was enjoyable so this is certainly one to try out yeah they're like samus aaron shoulders yeah yeah yeah. uh they're like metroid from metroid um so yeah yeah i you know i think uh i think i'll have to check this one out i i do think strong builds exist in the game i think my main issue with stats was the way really what we got down into was the way stat totals can be frustrating and the way that mods and experimentation are are tough right now to want to do is one of the and and certain stats seem pointless like resilience. So it's not necessarily that there aren't strong builds or the stats are completely and utterly pointless. It's that stats feel very like narrow, like only you, you go in one general direction. Uh, and these offshoot builds, I'm sure, are fun, but I don't know. I'd be interested to see if you would want to take this build into the end game. I would say I would be. Because like uh, like uh, the power boundary sunbreaker with Ashen Wick is like pretty good because the weapon buff like uh, like the weapon buff is like uh thirty or like twenty five to thirty percent, which is pretty significant to, to have with add clear. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ashen Wick make fusion grenade like very easy to use. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. Maybe we'll get solar burn this week. I think last week was solar, so maybe not. I think we're I think we're heading to void. But uh, if we get a solar burn week, I'll definitely want to check it out because I'm always happy to switch off of what has gotten either boring or predictable. So and and also oppressive darkness probably ain't coming back next season. That's a good point. Oppressive darkness. I don't think we'll ever see it come back ever. To be fair, I think it was set and loaded into the. It was loaded into the barrel for two of the seasons in year three. But I have a strong inclination and, and hunch that we will not see oppressive darkness come back ever again. It's too. Um, I feel like it's too strong for a grenade. Um, I, people are like, "Don't say that! Don't say that!" I'm. I'm telling you, it just. It makes. It makes void subclasses 
so it's already like tether bubble city when you go into the end game the end game is already you know titan bubble hunter tether city and even more so when you add in oppressive darkness so and another thing about oppressive darkness is it basically makes tether like useless because why use a tether when you can have a titan with uh, both bubble and oppressive darkness yeah yeah exactly Slova's already amazing without oppressive darkness. That true. Yeah, that too. I mean, I like that it does push warlocks away from Well of Radiance. Like, I'll say that. I'll say that. But I just think it's too strong to let it stick around. I I, I don't think... um, Yeah. I don't think it's going to keep... I don't think it's going to keep. So. All right. You got anything else, Doge? Or I'm going to move on if not. Yeah, I think that's all. Okay. Thanks for calling in. All right. Now that Bird Bro is done eating... We'll uh, we'll go to Bird Bro. What do you got for me? Hey, how's it going? A little it's nervous, going. but I'll try to not, you know, droll on. Okay. Um, so uh, it's a lot of things I want to kind of weave into this since we're not trying to keep it to stats. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they should really lean into some things I've been seeing them do recently. And I think the word here I want to use is, um, what's the word? Crap, it just flew out of my head. Uh, basically, they've been making things kind of flow together like how they change bounties to say oh well if if the if banshee is going to have like these weapon bounties then also like zavala bounties will be like the same weapon so they'll you know it flows and i think that and they and i think they even do that with um the artifact like they and they rotate and i like that too i like that they rotate things and so because i feel like because they really trying to lean into the whole mmo thing right and and it's not an mmo rpg because we're not really role playing we our character like you can't be bad we can't go killing npcs we're always the good guy it's an mmo fps and so i think they should really just lean more into what they're doing in in terms of rotating things and making things just more consistent and flow like i feel like they like like say for a season like 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 take three random stats and say those are going to be like you know your high stat rolls or rather those will be the more likely to have high stat rolls for this season that way it'll give people just a little bit more focus but it still won't pigeonhole them into into like saying oh i have to run this and you know and kind of cater it that way throughout the seasons because i feel like they just really all over the place right now and I see the good ideas, and it really hurts me when they throw away the good ideas and bring in something silly, like the Umbral thing. This is the Umbral thing was so fantastic. I, it's I absolutely love it. Now because I'm kind of like slightly more casual, I was like, man, I really loved it when we was getting those um those high those high drops, like you get like a like the oh, armor was randomly you know dropping high and I, but then i understand because um i'm kind of because you kind of kind of got me into the idea that yeah you really don't need to be getting like super pinnacle stuff if you're not in the high echelons of the game because what you're playing doesn't necessarily require that mm-hmm. it, but it's still it still hurt though but oh I no think that, yeah 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 but i still think that they should they should just really really lean more into what they're doing in terms of like just making stuff more consistent throughout and just you know giving us a little um you know kind of give us like a little what I, what I said before um oh man stuff just flying out of my head 
but like just make it so that we can say okay this season this is what we're going to be doing we can focus here we can have that focus and then that'll even make it easier for like content creators to say oh this this season is going to be a a recovery resilience and uh strength season so those are going to be the the you know the the most high rolling stuff and then you can you know build towards that because i see but but I can't say it's all bad because I'm seeing now way more build videos than I had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So that's a plus. But a lot of those build videos are stuff that only like the really pro players can make rope work. And as a casual, you're like, oh, I need all these mods. And then, you know, you got like, oh, you don't, you know, you don't need like tier 10. You can survive off a of tier seven. And I think it's, it'll just translate, you know, to an easier flow of gameplay for the player if that makes sense no yeah i think a lot of what you're saying um lines up with a lot of the the ideas i've had with when i said instead of restricting the champion mods to a couple of weapons for an entire season what if you had modifiers on the content that made certain weapons stronger for that week with those champion mods giving it that like you said that sense of it's rotating it's not the same thing for an entire season now what you're saying hey for the whole season these certain stats are going to be more important i mean i could see a world where they they basically say all right for this entire season if you hit tier seven on strength or resilience or intellect there will be modifiers that activate in the content and they're only active when you do that. They'd be positive modifiers for you to lean into. I'm thinking of, I remember on, it might have been division, when you had a tech score or a certain number score that was high enough, certain perks on the guns would then activate. That could be a good way for a season to shake up people's builds and stat distributions to to essentially say, hey, you know, you think you're so great with your recovery and your discipline and mobility, you know, your hunter, well, for, for this season, you're, you're going to want to shake it up. If you hit tier seven on strength, there's a positive modifier in strikes and nightfalls and, you know, that, that, that only turns on for people that hit that tier seven. Um, I, I love the idea. I really do. I think it sounds cool. I think it gives that, that's that sense of, Hey, there's some fresh things for me to try out this season. Like when I was just talking to Doge and I said, it's one thing for you to highlight this this Ashen Wake build for me that's crazy with, with grenades and how fast it is and all this other stuff, but if I don't see a reason in the game, if I'm not incentivized to do it, it might just be something fun to do in a strike or if I play Reckoning or something. Maybe I'm trying to get the Umbral Traces, you know, because each week the Umbral Traces are in a different sort of source. Um, so I think what you're saying is is in a theme and a track that I've consistently tried to hit on, which is you can use, you know, mods and motivators in the game to motivate experimentation, to shake things up, to try different weapons and mods and combinations and stats, as opposed to saying, I mean, the content just gets harder and harder and harder. So everybody tends to lean into survivability with, with well and bubble or high DPS with the right exotics or, you know, celestial on a hunter. So I, I, I think you've got a, another, I think, good iteration and idea on what they could do in the game to motivate not just investment into certain stats, but changing it up season to season. 
Yeah, and also I think it should if they like would go down that direction, they also have to think like if you want us to be able to do this, they also have to couple that with I don't want I I I, I don't want to say ease of access because like you don't want to like you know you you have to give like a a resource sink, but um they need to I think they've gotten better at it, but they need to be able to make us be able to do so like mm. oh man i can make all these bills but i need like five ascended shards to like change a thing and so i think like they, they just got to be be careful and balance that because some things like like certain for some reason i have like a lot of of certain um materials because like i travel to those places like often with the season but then other places it's like I don't really have that much because I I don't remember the last time I've been to like the Tangled Shore when the <laughs> game doesn't tell if the game's not telling me to go there or I'm doing like old content. And so uh, I guess it's just on them to like just like if you change one thing to actually just think about what else all touches this so that the game can just flow a little bit easier because that's what I think the, the main problem is. I think people is so much and people is trying to like connect everything and it's not bad that we have so much it's just you know it's it's hard to just like flip from one thing it's easy for me because I, I think i because i'm a warlock main i was one of those warlocks mains back in um during the guardian games when you were saying like the you know the warlocks didn't move at all that was me i'm warlock <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i yeah. was like i'm gonna play this warlock and that's what i'm gonna do but i love all the classes and um and also on the other point that the guy made um like what you said about oppressive darkness now it kind of hurts me but i do actually agree yeah it's kind of super strong because i actually um wasn't a well warlock i used to use um uh slova all the time because it's mm -hmm. just so good yeah and then and then and then um i got an rng drop of the um of one of the ornaments for the uh what was the phoenix protocol yeah phoenix. and obviously obviously if you get something good looking it's like well let me find a reason to wear that mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. i started using well and i was like whoa what have i been missing on because 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 um i was using the top tree at first i was using top tree at first because when they made the change with celestial fire i was like i'm never getting off this and i think i played that throughout like the second they made those changes i was basically just there the mm -hmm. whole time yeah that's it it's so good it's so good yeah. i think i got the um that new jakara on it right now but um yeah and it was so good but then oppressive darkness came back and it's like it's making me pull away from something that i want to play because it's just so good and so yeah i think they also and i'll tie this into the other thing i said earlier about like maybe combine some things or just shuffle some things around like like you said i love that idea of as you to make people want to invest in the tiers you get more perks with them that way you could clear off some of those mods yeah. like 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 concussion and all that and mm -hmm. the and resistance to mm -hmm. like of, like you know you upgrade the armor and it just you just automatically get those and that way that'll give people just a little bit more wiggle room to say okay i don't have to worry about this that and the other just to do something i want to do and it makes it easier to flip back to something else 
Yeah, like if you like, what if you got a really? I just thought of this one as you were saying that. What if you got like a really high mobility, and it added enhanced reload to any reload that you run, you know, run. So suddenly you're freed up to run a normal reload perk, but because you have tier nine mobility, you know, you get the enhanced reload or something. Like again, incentivize giving me a uh, giving me a carrot within the the actual stat to walk up with it. You know, as opposed to feeling like some of the stats are just kind of, you know, dead, dead in the water. And I think what we're really getting at is they, what you were talking about is, you know, removing barriers. I think there, there's two ways to approach this. Number one, I don't want to make it super accessible so anybody can make some insane 10 tier build, you know, tier 10 build, but... I do think there are barriers to experimentation that if they're removed, it would still be a hardcore grind. I would still have to masterwork the armor, have all that currency, spend all that time. But if you remove some of the barriers to experimentation, one of the barriers to experimentation, I believe, is the fact that all my recovery, mobility, and resilience stats, discipline, all those mods cost energy. So the minute new seasonal mods come out and I want to experiment, I feel like my stats are potentially under threat. And so instead of just, oh, I'll move a couple scavenger perks or here and that, it's like, no, I might have to take off recovery. I might have to switch to something else. Um, I might not be able to run, you know, minor resist or concussive dampener. I might have to take those off, even though they're only one. Seasonal mods come in. They're potentially expensive. They're potentially disruptive to your build. Uh, some of the charge with light mods were, you know, three and four. That's going to that's gonna uproot some of your, your stats. So... I think if you remove some of those barriers, you're not making it casual and easy. You're just like, okay, look, you know, experimentation's not going to be that painful. It's not going to be costly. Uh, one area we, we see this with is on the artifact. If you want to experiment and try different things out, it gets more expensive as the season goes on. You know, 20,000 glimmer, then it goes up, then it goes up, then it goes up. There's no reason for that. Just let me unslot you know, maybe I'm not using Breach Resonator, so I unslot it and I want to try Heavy Finisher. Just let me slot and unslot. Like, I I think that that would be an easier way, you know, to do a lot of this. Because right now, it's just like, what ends up happening is, you're like, well, I'm only going to play for a couple hours. Do I really want to go through all the pain of spending currency, swapping this, swapping that, changing to that? You know, let's just run the content. Like, you just, you almost give up before you even get started because you feel like it's too much it's too tedious. It's not that it's hard or that it's hardcore. It's just costly and tedious. So I think removing some of those barriers would, wouldn't be a casualification because you'd still need so much currency and so much time investment to even get to the experimentation phase. Like there's so many, there's so much grind before experimentation phase. Don't make experimentation phase tedious and painful because then as we can see now, I just think people generally avoid it. Yeah, uh, I guess my last piece on this would just be Bungie is in the position of basically having to manage the whole protect the players from themselves because if they if they give in too much, then mm-hmm. we'll just be running rampant. But at the same time, you don't want to lean too hard and we want our game to be a little bit more ca- hardcore because then people would be like, well, I can't just pick up and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. That's it's delicate. We were talking about earlier about if you're turning the two knobs of player agency and generosity, those are delicate knobs. If you turn them too far, 
then we get stuff too easy and too fast. If you turn them too low, then everyone feels like it's a mindbender six month grind. Like, like fine tuning generosity and player agency, or what I always call player intentionality. Fine tuning those, I think, is tough. I think what's going to help is that we're not going to be limited to three months of content anymore, but you know, content's going to last for a whole year. I don't think there'll be so much pressure to turn the faucet on full blast. They can get a little bit more fine-tuned with it. And then they could also say, you know, season to season, we're adding new mods. We want people to experiment. It's costly to get armor that's even ready for experimentation. Let's remove some of the barriers that's keeping people from experimenting. I mean, they already did. You used to have to have only the the season armor from that season. And they opened up the seasonal mod slot to, to do the season behind and the season in front. And they're loosening that up again in year four. The seasonal slot's going to last for a year. So they're, I feel like they're already kind of tracking with us as we've graded against some of these pain points. They've said, okay, we're going to remove some of those because we want people to experiment. We want people to mess around with Warmind Cells and Charge with Light and other builds because that's essentially what the end game build crafting is for, is so you can try things that... You've never done before. I mean, Warmind Cells were a brand new mechanic, and the more people that experiment with that stuff, the better, because then the game feels fresh, and you're not doing the same old, same old, you know, every season. Yeah, and the la- very last thing is Petrovan, just best girl. Thanks. <laughs> okay, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it very, very much. He's uh, he's a fan of Petra. He's a fan. Of, uh, of Petra, I think I could probably get behind that. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know. Marasov is, she's, she's something. All right, I'm coming to you, Rexus. What do you got for me today? What do you got for me, Rexus? Oh, isn't Avenger? Uh, we're gonna have Avenger. He he has to go last. Today. Uh, my bad. Uh, all right. Uh, I've got, I've got a few more things. So I'll start with. Uh, <laughs> okay. With uh, <laughs> we're starting back up because uh. Birdbro gave me some ideas, uh, some thoughts. Uh, Masterworking currently is, in my opinion, too expensive, and the, for that the mods that increase only the stats cost so much already. Mm-hmm. It's, I like I'm I'm currently at about a hundred, like less a little less than a hundred uh, masterwork cores, and I don't dare to upgrade any of my armor to masterwork because. I don't. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I, I'm still working on getting the god roll armor. So if I upgrade now, so I can finally run a build for once, rather improve a build of mine. I just. Uh, I can either put it in now, or I can wait and hope. Yeah, I'll someday get better armor. So it is probably wasted cause. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think you're always going to have that. You're going to always have that. I I always do this in games I'm unfamiliar with. I'm like, I'm going to save this currency. I'm going to save these consumables for when I really need them. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm at the end of the game, and I, I have never used them at all. <laughs> like, And I wonder if sometimes that, that fear of, should I invest in this? I might find something better. I think one of the reasons it's so important to give us a grind like we got in the Prophecy Dungeon is exactly what you're talking about. I need to have confidence that, okay, this piece is good enough for investment. Instead of being like, 
I don't know, dude. You know, I finally got a good drop. It took months. It took weeks. Do you see, like, if the rhythm and the and the and the player agency is in a good is in a good place, then I can kind of hold back and say, I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna masterwork this gun, or I'm sorry, I'm not gonna masterwork this armor until I get a good roll because you feel like you're more in control of that happening, right? If if I'm if I'm sort of going through a dry spell with gauntlets, and then finally after a month, I get a decent pair of gauntlets from the raid, I think I'm now in the scenario you're talking about. Well, I could dump a bunch of currency in these, but they're not that great. They're okay. You feel like you're settling. You feel like you're investing all of your money into something that really wasn't what you were looking for. You know, if, if you've ever been shopping for an item you can kind of feel that pain sometimes you're like I've been saving my money for a really good X and the one that you wanted is out of stock and it's not going to be in stock for months and you're like well I either wait a couple of months before I get the one that I really want or I buy a version that I wasn't really wanting to get um I I don't know I feel like I feel like when that's the scenario you're faced with it's perfectly legitimate to say yeah, this is too expensive. I don't want to do this. But when I end at you know a couple of a couple of days of dungeon grinding, and I have multiple pairs of gauntlets and multiple boots for my hunter, well, I know which ones I'm going to invest. I know which ones I'm going to invest in. There's no there's no question. I know which ones I'm going to use and what you know what type of builds I'm going to go for. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, but you also got then the other uh, the the other thing that also uh, adds to that is. Um... If you, if you uh, make your build and say, okay, I'm going to invest in this piece now. It has great stats. I like it for this build. Let's go for it. And you invest it. And then uh, it's like maybe a month before the season ends. The next season comes the thing around. You say, hey, I can still use these uh, gauntlets for the next build. That's That's a new build that I want to try. I can still use these great gauntlets. But... Oh shoot, I have to dump all the currency in that I dumped in before again to just change the uh, change the polarity. Oh the I'm like is it really worth like that I then I'm sitting there like oh great like I, I can't change I have to grind for a new good armor piece to put the currency in again. Otherwise it's wasted. And then I you mean, have to farm first, and then you can. Yeah. And then, if you, if you, especially with exotics, when you then get bad luck and uh, like, yeah, I just don't get that exotic ever. Like, I've, I've got one pair of Shinobu's Vow so far, which is one of my current favorite exotics, because I just love love spamming grenades. And with the uh, with um, demolitionist, it's it's too easy. <laughs> it's not good. It's just fun. But I'm now thinking like. Okay, I can invest in them, but next season, oh, new build that needs different mods. Shoot, I don't have another Shinobu's Vow. Do I have to dump all the currency in again? This is good feedback. I wonder if seasonal mods should not have affinity. I just, you know, I've never really looked at it, but yeah, I mean, if you really want to run Striking Light, is a Charger's Light mod, it's, a, it's an Arc mod. You know, if you, you know... If, if you really, really want to run 
Supreme Nightmare Banisher. It's an ARC mod, and I wonder if they need to remove Affinity from seasonal mods. Because I think you're making a good point. I think, obviously, the goal would be to try to have... Listen, especially... Especially if they're giving you the freedom to grind at the level that we're grinding, then you should probably be going for multiple multiple affinities then. You know, I, I have I have lots of different helmets from I'm sorry, lots of different gauntlets and boots for my hunter, so I can have all three affinities covered. I so I think what you're saying is a fair pushback, but I wonder if they're really equipping you to chase the armor that you want, is it is it fair to ask the player to get three versions of every armor type? I don't know the answer to that question. Because if not, if you make affinity changing super easy, then it's... It, it, it might, I'm not saying it will, but it might suddenly short-circuit the roll. Um, it might suddenly short-circuit the, the, the grind, I mean, for like lots of different uh, pieces of armor. Yeah, I feel that too. It's more that it, it feels like all of this comes crashing onto one another if you're uh, if you're just a casual player. You, it already costs quite a bit. You have to invest quite a bit to even be able to start making builds, and then you have and then you have to make sure you always use the right polarity or rather or just the the right uh, element on your arm, or, or or you're just or you're just sitting there and oh. The, uh, well, I gotta start anew. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I always feel like this one is tough because if you're in the end game and you're grinding and you're really putting in the time, I kind of feel like you're gonna have the currency for this. Like, listen, I, I, I always spent like one or two weeks, maybe each day, really putting in the time, grinding for. Uh, exotics in the nightfall and I have 44 enhancement prisms and nine ascendant shards I mean I I don't know I I, I, do, I do I feel like if you're putting yourself in endgame lanes the currency should be there to soften some of the pain they're talking about you know it's I wonder if sometimes and I know you yourself the other day I was alarmed at how low your material count was on gunsmith materials sometimes I wonder if your your affinity as a player is reaching beyond your player habits like you're not playing enough to really justify being like well I should have the freedom every season to just swap things around and move things and have fully masterworked armor this pain is too much this pain is too much if you were playing a little bit more and, and putting yourself into those endgame content loops I feel like you'd have the currency to do that now i know i might be being presumptive every time this comes up people on youtube get really angry at me and they're like lono you're ignoring so many players that just can't play like you and they don't have the currency that you do and i'm like okay but then what are you doing and why do you need a min max perfect build if you're not really going into nightfalls and end game content all the time if you're not constantly going into the end game and grinding for the currency where are you living because i feel like the lower echelons of the content doesn't require that level of personalization you really want to but i feel like it's more of a contextual thing where you don't really need to consider the level of depth until you start climbing the ladder of content when you climb the ladder of content the currency naturally flows in those places yeah maybe i need to go back into higher level content again it's more that all of the higher level content is match made and uh, not match made and for mm-hmm. i don't know for 
I just couldn't get interested in Grandmaster Nightfalls. What I do run, uh, very, well, occasionally, but uh, whenever I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm just really into it, I go do the raids multiple times. Like, each season I've done, I think, every raid at least once. And mm -hmm. fun, more fun ones, like Scourge or Last Wish, a bit more than once. But uh, still, currency doesn't drop that often. And I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not wishing for uh, master, being able to easily master work everything. I'm more wishing for, um, put down the cost so you can make working builds. Not perfectly optimized, but working builds. Like you currently, if, currently, if I want to make a working build, I often already have to go in, uh, upgrade the armor to level 8 or 9 just to make it working because the uh, stat mods still use up some of this, uh, some of the points you can put into for mods. That's yeah, I, more what yeah. I'm going at. Yeah, and you're this right. I mean, I wonder if Bungie needs to look at uh, Spectrum here and they need to say, listen, as long as you're not in the public space and Lost Sector, you know, being a Lost Sector goblin, as long as you're not doing that, there should be a trickle of currency. So maybe, because somebody's like, well, what if I don't only want to run Nightfalls? And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Maybe Strike should have some currency delivery. Rage should definitely have a currency delivery. Trials has a currency delivery for the end game. Um, and so, you know, same maybe same thing with Gambit. If, as soon as you leave public space content, you should be getting some trickle or rhythm of currency so as you're saying you're like look I don't even want to masterwork it I just want to go up to tier 8 and what does that cost I mean it only costs an enhancement prism so I do think maybe some of this just requires again Bungie to look at the currency delivery do we need to hide enhancement prisms in two places or can they drop from raids can they drop from strikes um you know, maybe not constantly from strikes, but a certain amount, uh, because you know, getting all the way to level eight and only having to use cores and prisms, I kind of feel like that's 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 fair. Again, Bungie may need to look across the board and say, players that don't just live in a lost sector of the public space, but do tend to live in the Crucible, Strike, and Gambit playlist. I think there's a lot of players that fit that bill maybe there needs to be more thoughtfulness about currency delivery to them so they don't feel like, dude, I'd love to experiment and at least take my armor up to like 7s and 8s, maybe a 9 or 10 here and there, but I just can't get the currency needed. Um, maybe they should consider that. Again, you gotta be careful. You don't need to be at 9s and 10s and have a min-max build unless you're even... In if, if you're never leaving Strikes, Gambit, and Crucible, you don't necessarily need to. And if you feel you need to in Crucible, there's Trials. If you feel you need to in PvE, there's Nightfalls. Uh, you know, they could expand some of that currency to raids, I think. I think it'd be fair for raids to be dropping Ascendant Shards here and there. Um, uh, so I, th I, I think your feedback is helpful because I do think there are people stuck in that center chasm where you are not a hyper casual but you're also not putting in enough hours to really amass the currency needed to do the things you want to do you're you know you're a smart player you can run rage you're adept but the hours in isn't high enough for you to really feel empowered i do feel like people are some of these people are just stuck in the middle there's this valley where if you don't put in enough time 
you're hardcore in your heart, right? You can run the tough stuff. You like running harder content, but you feel like the currency is just out of your reach. Yeah, so also same with uh, a few other things. Uh, I'm mostly a solo player, and uh, I've tried it once here on the Discord, and I haven't asked today. Uh, I currently have, uh, what is it? About 20 bounties that I don't dare to pop yet because I want to get shared wisdom, which I think should be... Put it away, don't... Put shared wisdom away. Because solo players then have to look for a group just to pop bounties. And that's yeah. that feels kind of stupid. Like, the... the they, the only thing I got suggested was the Destiny LFG. Like, I know that this exists, but it's more for raids or dungeon groups where you actively do something and not to just jump onto one another to pop bounties and then uh, be gone again. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a very, very stupid um, thing. Like, it, good intention, but it doesn't work. Well, and shared wisdom is one of those things where I, I feel like it should just be simplified. Like, as long as you're in a match-made activity, you should get it. Just encouraging people to go run strikes and just make sure and pop them when you're in strikes or Crucible or Gambit or something. Exactly. Like, I go into strikes and I still don't get shared wisdom unless I actually group up with a friend. Like, why? It's, it's, it's nonsensical. It, what? Well, it's very antisocial because we go yeah. to a lost sector, we pop all the bounties, and we're like, hey, everybody, uh, I need somebody I can connect with. And it's like, I've just been playing by myself, and now I'm just going to kind of use you. It's like I'm using you for a coupon discount or something. It's like, I, you know, it's not it's not very socially driven. So I, I do think this is one of the reasons that I have consistently said giving me perks for staying in the playlist longer, giving me better drop rates for staying in the playlist longer, giving me an XP bonus on the bounties on the strikes themselves so that I just go play with people instead of living in a lost sector and then pop bounties mechanically like I hop on my friend when you know how many times have you guys seen me do that I just join <laughs> I just join somebody from my playlist and they're just in a freaking lost sector and I pop in I'm like hey how you doing cling 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 I hit all the bounties and then I leave um you know the I think this stuff's gonna get gonna get polished in year four. It's just it is. It's arguably very stupid what we're doing. The most efficient ways to level up XP uh, is supposed to get addressed in year four. I would imagine shared wisdom. Just as you said, I think just get rid of it. Or if you want to give shared wisdom, just give it to people as long as you're playing with someone. Whether it's in a match made strike, gambit, you know. Crucible, as long as you're playing with other people, you know. Yeah, but by the way, I pulled exactly that move on you, basically. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. We... <laughs> Remember? Yeah, I don't care. I, of course, go and helped it. a bit, but it's uh, it's like you have to just kind of do it that way, otherwise you're like I waited until you finally ask for someone to pop bounties. Yeah, and yeah. then I could finally pop mine as well, and. One small other thing is uh, Eververse rotation, the seasonal rotation. There is something I don't like about it, because um, when this year started uh, with Shadowkeep, uh, where are they, where are they, where are they? Uh, Liar's Handshake got really good. Like, again, really, really strong. And I started to really like Liar's Handshake, 
but I don't like how the normal version looks. It looks so tattered. I would prefer I prefer something clean. And I know there is the uh, ornament, but the ornament since mid of Shadowkeep has never been in the rotation again. But why, Bungie? Let me give you maybe give you my money if I th find something like a little later than many other people or a little later than it was introduced that I actually like it and I want to buy an ornament for it. Why don't you let me give me your money? Uh, give you my money. Uh, words. I thought they were doing that with the with the ornaments, but I guess they're not. I thought I could go in here and buy ornaments that aren't that, that are that are no longer around. I tend to agree with oh, you. It's like no, they've not done that because I would have purchased the one for the worm husk without blinking. I would have been like, give it to me right now. I'd have spent money. Um, worm husk is in. Worm husk is in. But no, it is. Oh, it is. But there was a time where it was not, and I missed it. And I would have been willing to spend money. I would have. Exactly. Like, why do you have it? And honestly, the pool. Like, we have. We don't have that large a pool compared to uh, other games but we have a much smaller selection per week it, fe yeah. it feels like couldn't they maybe increase the rotation speed or increase the um, increase the amount per week so you have doubles and triples in a season or something or at least every exotic thing comes around each season once and not once a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have the Liar's Handshake ornament. I think it's the Talia's Reach or whatever. Um, yeah, you're right. It does look really tattered. Yeah. I've always thought when, when, when items look like they're aged or like they're chipped and the paint's coming off, I always wish I could turn that off. Um, that even is kind of happening right now with these Ashen awakes that I'm wearing if you look at the shader application on my chest piece real clean real nice then rotate over to ashen and there's scrapes and scratches on the paint and I don't like that now somebody might want the scrapes and scratches everywhere maybe you want your whole character to look like you know you just came out of a battle um, I, you know, I think there should be, they did, they got this right in, 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 uh, in Anthem. You could change the wear state of the item, uh, at any point. And I would say that that would be a good way to help with a lot of what you're talking about. Like you don't want it to look like all busted up and as far as like selling the things. So I did want to take this question from, uh, from chat where Brett said, what if you're a solo player like me and you want to do dungeons? Raid weapons are essentially required, and the only Ascendant Shards I get are from the past. I just think it's really, really hard, Brett, when... If you've ever had a person who has, like, a really, really particular palette, and it's really hard to give them, like... You're trying to make dinner, you know? And they're like, well, I like salad, but I don't like the lettuce that you have. And I want some tomatoes, but they need to be organic. And you're like, oh, for frick's sake! You're like, I can't make a salad for you, dude. It's too, too particular. I think sometimes players can be too particular with their palette. It's like, well, I'm a solo player, but I really want to run dungeons, but I can't run raids, and I don't have any Ascendant Shards. And it's like, okay, hang on just a second here. You're like, you're asking for access and an inroad to content that is not essentially made for you. Now, I know they designed dungeons for solo 
from the very, very beginning when they build them because they like that challenge, the solo flawless challenge. I like that. But I don't think that means then that a solo player who's basically never touching the endgame, you have no currency from Nightfalls, you have no raid gear. By the way, it requires raid gear. There's nothing from the raid that's going to help you in the dungeon. The raid guns, are, are they suck. Um, so... First of all, that aspect of your criticism is kind of off base. There's no raid weapons anywhere that's that's required. Now, you may want to claim like, oh, but Anarchy or Xeno. Xeno, you don't get in the raid. You get that in the dungeon. And Divinity isn't required either. Um, But I do think... I, I do think you have to be careful when your palette because becomes so particular. There's no way the game's going to give you what you're asking for. I want to solo dungeons, but I don't like raiding and I don't have any in-game currency. Okay, but you're kind of setting your sights on one of the more challenging pieces of content that releases. But you're not in... You see what I'm saying? You're really mismatched. It's like... I want to... I can't think of a good example. You know, I want I want to bench press really, really high amounts of weight, but you don't do any. You don't want to do any of the conditioning that gets you to that point. You know, you got it. You got a a, a a a physical fitness coach. You got a workout coach. It's like, well, if you want to bench press high numbers, you need to do this and this and this stretch, and you got to condition yourself so you don't hurt your back or your you don't tear a muscle. And you're like, no, 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 I don't want to do all that. I just want to bench press a high number. And it's like, now hang on a minute. I just want to run a dungeon, but I don't want to do any of these other things. It's like. It just, it's not cut out for the person that isn't in those lanes. It just isn't. It's set up for somebody who plays a lot, is high level, has people they can play with, and has a decent loadout. Um, And I think that's contextually fair. This is why I said entrance level content shouldn't have a power delta and shouldn't be failable and non-match made like the stupid tower event. That's the entrance. That's the welcome to the season doorway and you're smacking people in the face. When you get all the way up to the dungeon, you feel free to smack people in the face. It's the end game. It should, it should, it should be a bit of a gut check. Hey, you haven't been working out. You're not ready, you know? My pushback would be that the dungeons were designed to be soloed, and we just found out in the ride-along. Okay, 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 but, 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 they're designed to be soloed as the highest challenge in the game. (laughs) Don't you see? Like, yes, but, I'm gonna say yes, yes, you're right, they are designed to be soloed, but it's meant to be one of the single most challenging things to do in the game a solo flawless dungeon it's it's there's nothing really in the game like that i think that i love i love that they do it right Ma- mountaintop anarchy is in every build guide okay build guides are for optimization not requirements build guides are for optimization not requirements you could run a lot of these you could run a lot of these dungeons and not run an anarchy or a mountaintop you run the guillotine Get it. Get yourself a good Titan. Get in there and get that guillotine, or run a Hunter so you can dodge and go invis. Run a Warlock so you got your well. Probably Warlock would be great because you could run Devour leading up to it. You got to remember. You've got to remember. Build guides. Build guides are not requirements. So, did you have anything else, uh, Rex? Uh, yeah, that just reminded me. Uh, I. Be- 
also regarding master workhorse, like I am, I am in the end game from time to time. I just don't like uh, nightfalls. I, I yeah. really don't enjoy them, and the and for for, for the like for the difficulty that I enjoy on the nightfall scale, I don't get enough out of it. Uh, and but I'm running raids where like still not extremely frequently, but still on a regular basis and yeah i i still don't have that many enhancement cores and i have not upgraded a single gun since uh like i haven't masterworked a single gun since uh what is it uh since uh second to last season i think yeah because because i just like it, yeah i like the gun but when i find another gun i don't have the enhancement cores anymore and you get so many guns, and I just don't get enough enhancement cores, even though I do run my raids, I run my weeklies and dailies, I run I run the I run the dungeon. Like everywhere I get proper loot, I run. But if I I don't want to run something just solely for the currency and then still with a either mediocre to measly drop rate or on a difficulty that is just not fun anymore. I think the answer to your problem is Grandmaster loot because that would free them up. Right now, there's only really one reason to run the Nightfalls, Grandmaster, Master, any of them. It's mainly for the currency. The minute you start putting that currency in too many places, you've now destroyed any reason to run Nightfalls or you know Grandmaster or Master. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to destroy an incentive funnel that's largely working well. But if they came up with grandmaster loot then they would be like we now can put some of this stuff elsewhere I, I mean I think it's fair to put some of that that currency and cores and stuff in in raids right I, I think it's fair to put them in there if you're running raids like crazy put them in dungeons some of us are grinding dungeons like crazy but don't you see if you put too many things in one in one you know piece of content it becomes a one-size-fits-all piece of content if i'm able to run the dungeon i'm getting high stat armor i'm getting good roll chances on good weapons and i'm getting you know end game currency uh you know for my masterwork you may be it may be too one-size-fits-all now i'm never gonna run a nightfall i'm just gonna run this little circle so you have to be careful i i think there's some credence to what you're saying but they'd have to be really, really careful to not gut any incentivization to go Nightfalls. And I think one of the reasons they can do that is by saying, well, no, Grandmaster has its own loot pool now. It's, I think Grandmaster every year should have its own full armor set and a gun. Maybe every season. A full armor set and a gun. It's really unique, real dope looking, you know, and there's your reason to run it. And now Bungie could say, well, you know, Grandmaster is not really about currency, neither is Master anymore. Uh, it's It's got other things incentivized in there. So... You can get 12 enhancement cores a day doing Banshee's Bounty on all three characters. You can get six prisms and six cores from doing the dungeon three times a week and dismantling the armor awards. Yeah, I I actually think that, yeah, there are some lanes here that might just be, maybe it's not clear enough, Wheezy. Maybe it's not clear enough because what you're saying might be it's it's sort of kind of behind the curtain. You know, maybe then you make it more apparent that there are other good lanes for some of these currencies. Because I think everybody thinks, I have to run Nightfalls, I don't want to. But also, again, it's it's not it's not repeatable per day. You only have four per character. And uh, 
for me who mostly plays on one character as that is like I have my warlock still on the on the side to sometimes run a raid or if if we want to go for a first week raid and they say like yeah your 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 hunter is useless we need a warlock and I say okay good I'll level my warlock as well just prepare for the season for the next season but my main is my hunter and I can only do four legendary shards a day and it's again with the uh yeah is it with the with a limit i can't just say like okay i can only play like i can play on the weekend very freak very long i can play for three four hours on the weekend but i can only use about 30 minutes of that for legendary shots and then i'm done then i have to wait again yeah well, and people are pushing I back a little bit. They're saying you can it. get that you can get twelve cores a day. Get twelve cores in to in total with oh, all yeah, the three yeah. characters, four cores per character. Right. I, some of what you're getting at, I think, is where for me there's always a rub where I have to go and do this other thing. It's like a currency grind in and of itself. That's why I liked. When I was just getting the currency like crazy because I was going for exotics in the nightfall. So it's like, because I'm going for exotics in this nightfall, I, I'm just, by the end of the week, I'm swimming in the currency. I have so much, I'm buying ascendant shards to free up my postmaster for the enhancement prisms. Um, and so I, I do, I think I get maybe that it's not, you're, you're not saying you want to be able to grind public space and get in game currency. Maybe just make it a little bit more organic. So it's not. It becomes its own loot grind. We went through this debate when they that you could get, you know, masterwork cores, and then they called them enhancement cores or whatever the frick. And it was like its own grind. It's like I gotta go to Spider. I gotta grab the bounties. I can't grab the bounties until I grind the Tangled Shore for the Ghost Fragments. Once I get the Ghost Fragments, I can buy his bounties. But the stack on Ghost Fragments is too low, so I have to go and buy them all, and then do a couple more Ghost Fragments. Then I grab all of his bounties, and by the time this is all done, I get like what six or seven, you know, enhancement cores or whatever. It was stupid. It was its own encased dumb grind. And I think they've gotten better about this because it is in more locations, whether it's Trials or a Nightfall. But I do think there are other endgame loops that could afford to put some of these currencies in here. Again, I think the risk is you completely invalidate Nightfalls as a loot funnel if I can just grind a, a, a dungeon or a raid encounter and just swim in the currency. This is why I think Nightfalls potentially need their own loot. So the currency is an add-in. Raids have their own loot. The currency is an add-in. The dungeon has its own loot. The currency is an add-in. Wherever you're going as a as an endgame minded player, you're getting a rhythm of the currency, and it's more where you're going. Then Nightfall Raider Dungeon isn't determined on do you need currency or not. It's determined on well, what are you trying to get? Do you want the Grandmaster Nightfall weapon for this season? Do you want the raid weapons? Do you want the dungeon armor? You're being motivated by the loot, and the currency is just kind of an automatic add-in because you're going into upper echelon content. I think fundamentally that is at the core of what you're saying that you go and do all these things that are end game they are challenging but then you feel like when you're done there's this other secondary sort of tedious grind where now I got to go get currency I got to go get a bunch of pennies and nickels to 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 level this stuff up Totally agreed like that that would be probably the best solution to give uh nightfalls their own armor set 
th then I also might be more encouraged to do it and not just to like I have to do it to use the stuff properly that I worked for already. Yeah. Right. Well, and, uh, and Wheezy's like, if your clan's high enough, you get cores from Hawthorne, blah, blah, blah. The, the key, the key though, pushback that I'm giving here, Wheezy, is a lot of what you guys are outlining is just a bunch of freaking bounty grinds. Like, I just don't know if we want to use that as like, a, no, the material economy and earn rate's fine. How, why is it fine? Oh, bounties, 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 bounties. It's like, ah, uh, hold on a minute. <laughs> like, isn't the isn't one of the things we've been talking about lately is getting away from bounties being primary and again, getting getting away from getting loot in the tower and, and, and moving back to where we're grinding content and getting loot from the content. And I would include currency here as opposed to bounty farming, you know, to get the currency needed for the stuff that I got in the raid, like I, it feels disjointed. I, I would say, yes, you're right. There are lots of resources for these currency. Okay. My question that I'm pressing on the system is, are those systems logical? Is it organic? Does it sort of flow, or is it is it? Are we still doing the whole? I need enhancement cores. I need to go to to Spider and and go through steps one through seven just to get a handful of currency. I I want to make things just flow more naturally. I think is what I'm saying. So I don't think anybody's incorrect right now. There are sources, but I feel like the sources are. There's a bit of a disjointed feel to the game. Nothing feels sort of interconnected. You're literally gonna, well, you're gonna, you're gonna grind pit of heresy to dismantle a piece of armor. That should tell you that the the earn rate isn't quite where it should be. You're, you're literally grinding a, a piece of content to break the armor down. Um, <laughs> like that doesn't that doesn't feel like they've got this polish and well rounded uh, from where I'm sitting. So I'm gonna move on though. We spent a lot of time with Rexus. Go ahead. To, to, Tiny things, really just tiny things. First of all, repeat, uh, Arc Strider um, with a Grenadier build with a Shinobus is fun. I very much recommend doing it when Arc is uh, the Singe. It's okay. a blast, especially with a submachine gun on the other side. Uh, the other thing is, uh, at Bird, uh, Bird Pro, I'm always nervous. That's, that, that's, that's normal, my dude. Don't worry. Last thing, Anna is Bay. Oh, Anna is <laughs> Bay. Okay, okay. I have to break it. Anna is Bay. Anna is Bay. I'm going for Anna Bray. Okay. All right. Well, we Anna have a Bray. Bay. All right. Thanks Sorry. for calling in, Rex. It's always appreciate you, dude. Thanks for having me. All right, Wolverine. It's it's late. The hour is late, but I'm coming to you. What do you got? How you doing, Lono? I'm good. Hope everyone on uh, YouTube and Discord is doing well. So, touching on the, the hacking topic that has been circulating and the surrounding skepticism around mm -hmm. an anti-cheat along with whether or not the system is working and or right. applicable, mm -hmm. what do you think the system might look like when touched upon in the coming weeks? And in your best insight, how can this anti-cheat system specifically pinpoint on the hacks and exploits seeping through the cracks, i.e. aimbot and wall hacks? Yeah. Oh man, this is a big one. Um, and and don't feel obligated, you know, you know to answer in, in the most expert way. A layman is perfect. It's just conversational. I'm just trying to see what it could look like. Yeah. I from from where I sit and from what I've heard, it does seem like without server side checks, this this problem will never go away. Uh, 
you're basically you're taking a bucket and you're dumping water out of a boat that's the water's coming in faster than the bucket can empty so no matter how many people they ban no matter how many people they restrict or suspend it's there's too many people just coming in and cheating because it's free and without server side checks most of the cheats essentially leverage that aspect that they're doing things I, I guess client side that never gets checked um so whatever anti-cheat efforts they make everything i've heard that seems to be the biggest giant it's a giant hole in the side of the boat it's like you're, you're never gonna stop this from happening because they're doing it on the client side um and so, and Weezy's saying it, most of the problem with Destiny is there's a bunch of stuff that is client-side. It's stupid. Well, it's it's not stupid for a peer-to-peer game that lo- was scheduled to launch seven years ago. It's stupid in 2020 with free-to-play and IP changing and, co- and, and, and hardware spoofing and all of these things that people now have to get around any type of a ban you try to enforce. Now, all we know from Bungie at this point is they have a background flagging system that has to be reviewed by a real person. It seems awfully inefficient, and it doesn't sound to me like a traditional anti-cheat. They can call it anti-cheat all they want. I think that just muddies the waters. I think they should have said basically nothing, or they should have said, we have background systems in order to catch cheaters but anti-cheat as it's usually defined and talked about within the gaming world as a like a a colloquialism okay as a colloquialism anti-cheat does not mean a background flagging system that then has to be reviewed by a real person okay so until that aspect changes both the fact that it's just a flagging system that must be reviewed by a live person that sounds like a just an unbelievable waste of man hours like just that has to be insane and number two if you're not doing any server side check and people are doing all this client side this is all a pointless discussion so the hope would be beyond light is bringing two things a genuine form of front-facing anti-cheat they did say they were working with steam with some of their anti-cheat efforts maybe there can be some synergy there uh people with vac bands should automatically be on watch um, I don't know why you let people with vac bands download a free-to-play game, right? Like, if you're if you're a purchasing player of Destiny, that's different than somebody logging in with a vac band. Hey, I'm gonna check out Destiny. Uh, should you be allowing people with vac bands to play games that are free that have PvP? I don't know if that's a good policy. Absolutely not. I'll, I'll say that absolutely not. You you go through profiles when you're in trials or comp and you see them have vac bands. They should not be playing a game as lucrative as this. Sorry. Right, right. Or at the very least, they shouldn't be playing without purchasing a DLC. Like, that should be the barrier. Sorry, you have a VAC ban. You can't play a free-to-play game. Um, That'd be a barrier. I know cheaters are willing to spend the money, but it would be a barrier. Uh, Secondly, secondly, so that that, that we need some form of front face. Where is it? Where's the anti-cheat? Is it installed? Is it running? What's it doing? Secondly, secondly, um, you have to have you have to have a change engine side within the game's technology to either prevent the client side stuff that's going on. Maybe they're collecting all this information and the hammer's going to fall in November and none of the client side stuff works anymore. And then that's your sort of two pronged approach. You got to have something on the front end that's catching and stopping these people from even coming in 
okay if they do get in have something on a technical level that's preventing the client side stuff from happening i think if if you do one without the other it kind of doesn't matter right uh, go ahead sorry 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 i um i was just uh alluding to something that you know wheezy just mentioned and it was some an example i was going to uh apply for this i I know that they mentioned that i guess a person i guess uh reviews some of someone's profile and cheating content but there are things that that will be uh taken care of and the hammer will be brought down almost immediately I played a person on a distant shore last week just reviving but we still won which was fortunate because this was game seven we did not have a mercy but when i tell you that these were the most amateur cheaters these were the sticky bandits from home alone type cheaters they just they they were terrible they won the first two rounds but once we figured out what to do they had no idea how to apply where they were just abusing the cheats so much where one of them got banned and then the other two just collapsed so uh the reviving the self-reviving along with um uh having the the excessive amount of heavy ammo along with the unlimited amount of super energy so there are implementations where it's it bypasses a user needed touch and it will just go straight into your your remove from the game and banned so i guess there's promises but more specifically i think the things what i'm worried about are the people that are able to either mitigate their cause of having a magnifying glass on them by toggling or whether or not they're just turning off and on wall hacks you know i just that's that's my biggest cause and concern and i know they're not going to be able to address these things specifically i know they're going to want to touch upon things because people want to know but in terms of plan of action they're not going to say it they're not going to give the hackers a yeah, they're not going to give they're not going to give the enemy their battle plan. So 100%. Um yeah, so that's just why I kind of try to zoom out on it like front facing something installed to catch and snag and enforce and then you got to have a technological change to stop the client side stuff. That could even stop the toggler's. It would go to do its thing and it'd be like boom, it would like hit whatever this technological wall is. It's like, "No, nah, you can't make client side changes. What are you doing? Like the game's active and running right now." Like if there's a way to make, you know, client side stuff read only once you're in game, I don't know. I'm not. See, now I'm getting down into the the, the minutia, and that's when I don't know how it all works. That's why I zoom out and I'm like, stop the client side crap if you can. Install something on the front end to block these losers. And it, paywalls are not a barrier. Uh, <laughs> time sync <laughs> is not a barrier. Uh, you know, you you gotta. It's incredible to me that. Truth be told. I feel gaming has an epidemic right now of cheating. And so some of this is, I, I, I wonder if we're going to look back in 10 years and say that was sort of the era of the cheater because it there's cheaters in Fall Guys of all games. Uh, and then, and then right, and then more than likely, those guys cheating in Fall Guys, they're cheating, they're getting the currency faster. I guess they're... Is that, making, is that cheating? I was curious. How do you cheat in that game? They've got speed hacks, and apparently there's client side hacks where they're able to get currency for free. So what these people uh, are probably going to do is unlock every cosmetic, buy every cosmetic, and then thanks, sell the dadgum account to somebody that wants to buy, a, you know, a Fall Guys content. You know, some you know, Johnny, Johnny, 
Johnny credit card. He's going to grab mommy's credit card, swipe it, and buy a Fall Guys account. And I'm telling you, it's like this weird... I don't know where it came from. I remember it was always a problem in games I played growing up, but it always felt like... It felt uh, rare. It didn't feel so common. And I don't know. It it might just be the rise of... um, gaming in general more people are gaming and you can't cheat in in high school football i mean yeah i mean we we could go down the rabbit hole of like how you can how you can cheat in sports we can speculate sure yeah if you're 110 pounds soaking wet you can't buy a football cheat right if you suck at a video game you can buy a cheat and you can't pay for athleticism Yes, you can't play for athleticism or physique or size or agility, but you can in a video game. You can pay for pristine aim and movement that's the, 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 it's, that escapes you. And so I wonder if it's just part of what happens when video games become so woven into culture that, and some of this could be, I'm not going to blame Fortnite. People want to blame Fortnite for everything. But I wonder if Fortnite has brought in the younger crowd that wants all the cool stuff and when the cool stuff's behind a wall they want to get around the wall any way they can they want to get the wins they want to get the cool stuff that you know all my friends have it i mean you should see the way these kids beg their parents for fortnite skins because their their friend has the skin and they don't and it just man the fomo is strong in games and i think that's part that's not the thing to blame it on but i do think fortnite increased this sense of I I, I want to cheat and bypass because all my friends or all these other people it just isn't fair and you know battle royales especially you know yeah, that <laughs> game is appealing to children and and it, and that's okay and that's great you know it's nice when you're a child and you get to play a game you love but yeah it could have it could have opened a gateway to where you know kids wanted things more quickly than others and it just you know created avenues to cheat and and such like that absolutely. Yeah, and what Weezy's saying, it's a profitable business, you know? I mean, people are doing this and selling the accounts. Like, honestly, th- th- you know where this this likely, a lot of this dates back to the, the economy of cheating, if we could call it that. Somebody needs to do a yeah. documentary on this, the economy of cheating. Oh, and, where am, and, I, where am I going to go? Well, yeah, where am I going to go? What game? Do you remember? Um, where, with uh, carrying? No, the birthplace of the economy of cheating, of cheating selling accounts... And 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 using using basically hacks. Diablo two, three. I would say Diablo. Uh, I would say Diablo two because people when they did the duping, people were were uh, throwing SOJs around like candy. People were making accounts. There's still Diablo two uh, sites dedicated to give you items. I I I I, I don't know. I, I feel like for me personally, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's definitely Diablo three for sure. Because the auction the, house. Yeah. Exactly. The auction house, 100%, 100%. The auction house woke the gaming community up to the idea that people will spend real money for crap they didn't earn. And it's like... It made light, everyone an entrepreneur. Yeah, light bulbs went off. It's like, I can run a script. I can make an account, run in this circle. The script hits a certain number of drops. And then I have a, and I'll sell the account for $10. Like, I'm telling you, it... People it, were it, making more money than Blizzard hand over fist, and they weren't about that. Yeah, and they shut it down. And so I think I think the auction house in Diablo three expedited this idea and this mentality of there's an economy of cheating. You can make money as a cheater. And the minute the minute something can give you know, can be 
you can make money from it. I mean, look at the boom. Look at the the gold rush of streaming. Like everybody wants to be a streamer now. Everybody wants to be a content creator. Why? I can make money doing that. I can make money playing video games. I can make money cheating. So I I wonder if the the economic you know aspects here have put it into high gear. It's just yeah. it's just rampant. And uh, there's in a whole another economy. And even though even within Destiny of the people that just do carry services, I I don't have any pity for the people doing carry services that are uh, using hacks. Like I hope they they crash and burn. I, I know a few people that run carry services. They'll log on to another person's account. My only pushback with people doing that. I, I don't think you should be able to log in in someone else's account. If you want to bring that person along and they carry them, I think that's okay. Because you're still having to put that person who's not in those situations all the time and having to make them fight their way out. And and it still leaves room for error. When you go against three stack kids and they're all on really poor accounts and then you just get ran through, you're just like, okay, well, they logged into their account and the next time you see that person, you'll probably run through them because that's not them. Right. So I I, I, I definitely feel like we could we could go on a tangent. I'll let you uh, I'll let you move on. I know uh, this has been running on, but definitely when you uh, when they release more information on uh, the either within the TWAB about uh, anti-cheat and what they're going to do with trials, I, I can't wait to uh, collaborate and, and add more to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. Thank you very much, Lono. All right, man. Thanks for calling in. I'm, I'm going to come to you, Avenger. I'm going to come to you, Avenger, but let's just, I guess, I'm not too worried. We're not too long. We got, what? how long are we going? Oh, we, we, can, we can go 15 minutes if you think we can make it. All right, yeah. Um, so the thing I want to talk about, and this involves um, you know stats, is that a lot of exotics, and I feel like a lot of them are also geared from uh, year one, uh, particularly, is that year one exotics are very much negating the point of grinding gear for the high stats. Um, you have things like insurmountable um, that basically makes it so you don't need to go for strength. So, you know, using strength for that is completely, you know, it's not needed. Um, and I, they're like Ash and Wake, you don't need discipline for it with the um, rework of it. You don't need discipline because every time you get a kill with it, you get energy back. Um, Doomfang doesn't require you to have anything in intellect, even though not a lot of people use intellect outside of um, uh, Crucible. And then, you know, Kefri's, even though, you know, not a lot of people use it, it still completely negates the fact of resilience for increasing your barrier recharge time. And that's just with Titan. That's not even including something like Hollow Fire that removes like all of your ability cooldowns. So I feel like a lot of exotics that are out basically negate the point of getting these stats even higher because, well, why grind four pieces of armor with this stat on it? Why can't I just go throw in an exotic and then there's no point in grinding the stats? Um, and, and there's exotics like these throughout all the classes um, that just completely negate the point of going to grind for those stats when you can just slap on an exotic and then, you know, even a gun can like Monte Carlo can completely, completely just, you know, negate the point of grinding for stats. And yeah, like Gilly's saying in chat, there are exotics that give you an exotic benefit, but when the exotic benefit negates the grind for certain stats, it, it just makes it, 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 and a lot of them are from year one, which there was no armor 2.0 with these even stats in the game in effect. So I feel like there's a lot of issues lying from year one and those exotics that are causing issues with the current systems. 
Yeah, I mean, this is echoing some of what Darksider was saying before Q&A and VIP and stuff, and here's why I think you guys are both overstating your case. I don't think you're saying things that are incorrect. I think you're going too far with it, and here's why. Insurmountable Skullfort does not negate needing to grind for strength builds because you're not going to wear insurmountable skull fort in all content all time this is not something you you only wear for forever so it doesn't completely negate it a lot of your examples basically that's for strength this is for you know this is for discipline and then well doomfangs only really when you're in the in the actual super um doomfang counts doomfang counts for uh super kill like melee kills outside of your um Oh, super it does. In, yeah, it gives you intellect, or it gives you oh. increased super regen. Okay, so I, when you say it completely negates, I think that's too hyperbolic. Like you're going too far. It's like yes, to an extent, insurmountable skull fort lowers my need to care about strength in my build. But usually, when I put on skull fort, it's because I'm going to play in a particular way and I'm going to build myself in a particular way. So. I think that's okay. It's not like I can wear... I don't wear insurmountable skull fort everywhere at all times and therefore never need any strength because the minute I take it off, guess what? Okay, I'm going to go run some hard endgame stuff. Helm of Saint will be really, really helpful. I just now... If if I take your logic and I apply it, it's like I have no strength. I, I, I didn't invest anything in strength. I wasn't well-rounded. I have no strength now. And Helm of Saint 14, go to Ward of Dawn... And now I, now I have no strength. So that's why I don't think it completely negates. I think it basically removes um, it removes a need by offering a benefit. It's like, oh, and then, you know, with Halifier. I mean, Halifier only works if your super is full. So even that's contextual. And then you're kind of making yourself, you know, sit on your super. And that's a bit of a trade, right? You're, you're never using your, your super. To Halifier get- does increase uh, without having a super. Just it's greater effects with your super active. Or with your supercharged. Oh, I didn't know that. Are you? I thought that was. I thought it was only when it was full. Uh, I'm gonna double check for you right now because I've um. No, you're right. Open. You're right. Improves the recharge rate of your solar abilities. Greatly improves recharge rate while your super is charged. But again, are we gonna say that negates? That completely negates. You don't ever. You don't need to worry about any of your stats. Well, no, because obviously, if you've increased your discipline, this is going to make your discipline even better, right? You're adding on top of an existing, you know, speed that you've you've invested in. So I don't know if I want to target these exotics and say they're the problem because they're they're negating. Darksiders example was top tree arc hunter with uh, liar's handshake but it was only end game viable when he ran with a really smart team that basically ran well in bubble to protect him and keep him alive so that that's a very contextual build which i'm okay with everything he's trading he's not supporting he's not doing dps to the boss he's taking a lot of risk by getting close to enemies and grandmaster and champions and stuff like he's taking risk and he's getting a reward for it i think that's totally fine i think the minute you go into your build and you're going to take off one exotic for another getting a benefit that kind of overrides the need for whether it's strength discipline or intellect i don't necessarily have a problem with now it seems that bungie philosophically does agree with you to a point because they nerfed 
Orpheus Rigs, Phoenix Protocol, Skull of the Dire Ahamkara, and Shards of Galanor. Any any exotic that was returning super energy too fast, they had an issue with. So it's it, there's a potential that they need to think about that in the realm of some of the things you highlighted. However, it's it's really really hard to change Skullfort or Ashen Wake without without basically making them com- com- completely you know worthless. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know if I would attack it because what you're doing is, is you're getting down into specifics. I wouldn't attack it in the specifics. I would go to the whole system and say, are there ways we can make resilience more appealing? Are there perks we can give people for going up to certain tiers of mobility or strength or intellect when largely everyone's going recovery, discipline, recovery, discipline, and then they throw everything else into intellect, unless they're a hunter and they want the mobility. Um, maybe again, adding those layers of incentive so that you don't feel like, man, most of these don't even matter. Or if I need strength, I'll just run Skull Fort. Or if I need fill in the blank, I'll just, I'll just run whatever. And some of that's fine to me. Like if the if the content's going to basically be like, you need to run something for grenades. Well, then I load myself up with Ash and Wake, or I load myself up with Sun Bracers or whatever. Something's going to buff nades, and then I go to town. Um, I kind of feel like that's how it should be. You sort of outfit yourself for the optimum build, lining up with whatever, you know, that week's modifiers are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the thing that I have with the armor is because you're making a build that you, the exotic is supposed to be the centerpiece of your build. Um, you know, you're using insurmountable as your centerpiece. You're gonna you're gonna be using arc melee. You're gonna be using those arc melee abilities all the time that's the centerpiece to your build but the center stat to your build is strength so you're using an exotic as the centerpiece of your build but the center stat of the build is useless because you have something that negates it completely and that's what i'm trying to that's what um i was trying to get at is that either you know you're running the stat but the stat doesn't have anything to do with your build because you're you can just run an exotic that's going to negate the stat for that build so it it makes the stat irrelevant in that sense because you're running a build focused on that exotic and then there's no reason for that stat and when you're saying about the attack of it and i think that's the correct way there was there was only two ways that i could see you know you know at least this issue in my mind maybe it's not for yours maybe it's not for other players but um that you know increasing incentive for these perks adding different incentives for increasing these perks up to higher stats whether it be percentage or you know keep the 10 thing whatever they're going to move forward there needs to be something more than what it actually is uh, or just sunset the exotics start sunsetting year one exotics uh, those are the only two ways of attacking see and a lot of people are like don't take away my exotics um so but those are the only two ways i can see that even you know coming forth and to me i don't think an exotic should completely negate the stat of your build and i think that it these certain exotics at least five exotics five to ten exotics per thing can completely do that and like you said they tone that down with stuff like you know orpheus shards whatever it may be for the super regen stuff but a lot of these other ones with you know discipline um with the grenades and stuff like that those really um haven't changed much and they like i said they completely negate the stat i mean i would say that the reason i'm okay with it is if i put on skull fort i know what you're you're saying oh it completely negates well not necessarily sometimes you're gonna miss proc uh the punch and then you know you're gonna need to get your you know your melee energy back or i think my other like bigger picture pushback is 
my character exists on a broader plane than just his current build and so defensive strike on sentinel defeat an enemy with your melee ability and create an overshield around you and nearby allies and final blows grant melee energy when this overshield is active so having a really good strength stat is nice because the minute i take off skull fort and i go to you know i go to code of the protector my strength stat is fine because if if not, then it's like, well, then I'm going to completely gut my strength stat when I run Skull Fort, which means I would have a super specific build anytime I run Skull Fort. And then whenever I switch back, I have to have another whole build for when I run, you know, Saint 14. So it's like, well, that would get absurd. So some of your stats are going to naturally have padding or a number there that matters a whole lot less. Like discipline probably matters a whole lot less when you're running Ash and Wake. And that's totally fine. Just like when I run Ophidius Faith on my Hunter. Well, my strength suddenly doesn't matter that much. But that's okay because my Hunter exists in a broader sense than just when I run Ophidius Faith. There's too many exotics, I think, to not have this happen periodically. I want to have decent stats in a lot of these lanes because the minute I take off Ophidius Faith, I want to have some strength so that when I'm running another another build and I want to get the throwing knife or I want to get, you know, whatever it is that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to use, I don't want strength to get completely destroyed. If the, if if what I'm saying makes sense, like I exist as a as a character, I'm broader than one exotic bloatout that I come up with. Yeah, and I feel like though that that part right there where you're saying, you know, well I want to have, you know, strength in this aspect, you know, getting my knife back or I miss this punch, so I have to wait for it to recharge. A lot of times, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say a majority of the player base isn't going to have a build dedicated around having, you know, strength for insurmountable. Having, you know, if you're having Helm of Saint Fourteen on, you know, a lot of a lot of people are just gonna slap Helm of Saint Fourteen on, and you know, unless you're an end game player doing all this content and grinding out all these things, you're not really gonna be focusing on getting you know all your stats completely perfect or whatever, maybe even higher. Um, a lot of times, you know, most players will just be like, "Oh, I'm running insurmountable. Let me just throw on some uh, strength mods or throw on whatever mods I'm gonna be using that time if I if I ever wanted that." There's no reason mm-hmm. to go grind for the stat armors for anything, you know, when ex- when the exotics like these exist is. Um, where i'm looking at it when you have something like um you know even like shinobu is a great example you get grenade energy back for hitting your grenades so what's the point of running like super high discipline even like above 50 you can just throw on random armor and most of the time you're going to be hitting around 40 to 50 discipline you know and 50 on the high side uh you're, you're going to be normally hitting those stats so there's to me this seems like you know it completely negates the point of having these things like these extra perks like you know if i hit if i have shinobu's vow on every time i hit a grenade or it's gonna give me energy back and why just take that away so then you can just have the discipline to have it you know if you're throwing two grenades you're gonna get one grenade back instead of just focusing on the one stat making the exotic special and then using the stats around you to then build for that um, exotic you know there's more depth to the build than just slapping an exotic on and then slapping 
um, a gun on or whatever exotic gun you're going to be using with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear where you're coming from, but I think it's because we change exotics and change our loadout, you know, according to burns and according to the content and according to bounties. I mean, so often, I think that's probably why you also have to consider not everybody thinks the way that we do. So some people just want to be like, oh, this exotic's cool. It does fill in the blank. Like, exotics are meant to give you function without necessarily the thought or the build. Like, that's the whole point of an exotic. And I think if you narrowed it so much to where you would need to feed something like, let's use Skullfort as an example. If Skullfort wasn't at its greatest unless I really fed it a lot of strength then I would worry that most people would be like well this exotic sucks because they'd throw it on and be like well I haven't invested in strength so this exotic's trash so you put like you you know because the inverse of what you're saying you're saying oh it overrides the need for strength that seems stupid well but the inverse let's let's reverse it then well then if Skullfort depended on me creating a strength build the exotic is now super dependent on my investment choices in builds and stats, and it's not really an exotic. It doesn't really stand on its own. It has to lean on my stats. And so I think the inverse of what you're saying is actually far worse. I think it's totally fine to have exotics that are like, the role of this exotic is to give you a function and a mechanic that you can activate that gives you grenades or melee or even, you know, decent super regen. Some of the super regen is still pretty good. Um, especially if you run shards in certain circumstances, it's kind of broken. But, you know, the I think the idea behind an exotic is it stands on its own and it sets the stage for the build. And you're like, oh, I don't need a bunch of strength. I don't need a bunch of discipline. The exotic's kind of doing some of the work for me. Um, I, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to think of other examples. Like a- another example would be like, well, why do I need to run reload perks for machine guns when I can just run when I can just run uh, Actium War Rig? Actium War Rig completely invalidates any reason to build into machine gun reloading. Oh, well, well, okay, yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to give you an ability that stands on its own and removes a requirement for you to spend a bunch of a time investing into. I mean, who wants to invest to build around machine gun reload, right? So, I, I think what you're what you're saying can't really go away because again if i reverse the situation i'm i I sentence all of these exotics to almost needing to crutch on your stats and if not most mid lanes and casuals are going to say well these exotics suck now i don't have time to spend investing in strength just to make skullfort worth using skullfort is supposed to be a shortcut to an ability which is just punch your way through all of the the enemies and and to be fair i mean it's it's not really end game viable it's fun yeah. in lost sectors and strikes uh the thing like i understand what you're saying you know like what if you go on from one end to the other i want more exotics and i think a great example of it is sunbracers i think sunbracers does an amazing job what it does is it you know when you hit that melee on that burn you get the kill infinite grenades so that's great that's perfect it's great if you don't have high strength, but it's better if you have high strength. And I think that's where the exotics and with at least with Armor 2.0, I think Armor 2.0 changed the field on what builds could be because of adding the six stats. And I think that Sunbracers as a whole, I think exemplifies that where it's great as is, 
but making a build for it makes it so much better. It makes it so good if you have high strength, you start spamming grenades, and then by the time you're done with your grenades, you have your melee back and you just punch it. But it's still great as is if I don't have high strength. It still works great. And I think that's the more that's the route I think they need to go on where it's not where it's not dependent on the stat, but it makes the stat build makes it better. You know, where randoms don't go into it and say, okay, well, you know, this exotic's trash. I need to have full strength on it to make it useful. I I think you're making a good example, but I would worry that your example makes a lot of these exotics extr- like you're you're gonna make it really, really tough. So let's go to skull fort. So kills with arc melee abilities, trigger health regeneration, restores melee energy. Um I guess we could say you get a greater amount of health when you hit a certain tier of strength. You get an overshield if you're at, you know, tier 9 or something. I could see, and we, I, this is in Division, I think, like if you have a certain number of tech and stuff, like certain perks activate on the items, I could see baking into an exotic, hey, this is what the exotic does out of the box. It's dope. However, if your strength is at tier 7, it unlocks this extra part where you get more health on the kills. Oh, if it's tier 9 or 10, you get an overshield, right? So you bake within the exotic, like you're saying, it's better if you go up in strength, but it doesn't depend upon it. I I, I could see some, some uh, you know, some intelligence there with respect to saying, you know, Ash and Wake. It's all discipline, right? It's all grenades. So it, here's bring the heat, okay? But at discipline tier 7, it does something extra. Maybe the explosions get bigger. Uh, at tier 10, you know, the explosions get bigger and have a chance to spawn a second fusion grenade. You see? Like, you're baking into the exotic a reason to invest in the stat that's associated with it, but you don't have to. Out of the box, it does its thing. It's dope. It's fun. But if you really want to crank it up, you know, you can you can say, all right, I'm I'm digging this Ash and Wake, and if I really invest in a discipline build, I'm gonna get to do something other people are not doing. Um, I, and it gives them uh, more incentive to getting the stats up more. That yeah. would you know, if you already have these stats set up in you know a base set, you know you have longer grenade throw, like you already get in in depth fastball if you have discipline seven, right? But you know, I could also be well. I have discipline seven, so I could have fastball. And my Ash and Wake does um, more explosive damage. It adds more layers to the stat meaning to it in general. And that's something that I feel like a lot of these things are just, instead of negating the stats, incentivize going for the stats. So that way it incentivizes going for build, but you don't need that. Yeah. Basically what you would do is you would take all all exotics that are tied to a particular stat. Ursa Furiosa... You know, you move faster while guarding when Sentinel Shield is active. Guard damage converts to super energy when the super ends, okay? But if you invest in intellect, you know, tier 5, something unlocks. Tier 7, something unlocks. Tier 10, something unlocks. So suddenly, a tier 10 intellect Ursa Furiosa build becomes stupidly strong. And it's deserved because you spend a bunch of your stats on intellect. And we know what that would do to your other things. That would gut your discipline. That would gut your strength. You know, but if it's worth it, you know, I think we're I think we're on to something on how to do a quality pass on exotics to make them either feel like, oh, this is actually really good if you know, if I do a certain thing with my build, if I really push things, you know, really, really high, um, you know, 
the, the Saiyan's ramparts, you know, the barricade that can be shot through, uh, which has reduced health and duration, maybe the, re- the health and du- you know, duration could go up if you go to a tier 10 resilience. You know, it makes the, the perk better. But if you go to a tier 10 resilience, you know that you're probably going to be hurting your recovery and discipline, and that kind of balances itself out. So I love the idea. I think it would take an, a ridiculous amount of time for them to do this. But I think it would get. I think it would get at the heart of a lot of. This could really, really help exotics that don't that that don't feel worth using. Um, this could really help because you could say, well, I don't know. I saw a build where you hit tier seven on you know trick sleeves, or you hit tier seven on uh, um, the the Gwissen vest, and it's 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 actually got some really really good utility. You know, bombardiers could be. If you have a really, really high discipline, it drops explosives and a grenade, whatever your grenade is equipped, you know, uh, we're going to destroy crucible with some of these ideas, but you get the point. Like, (laughs) yeah, I, I, I love the idea. I, this is one of those ideas that I, I'm, I'm, as the more I think about it, I'm falling in love with it. And I'm like, it's never going to (laughs) happen. Like they're never going to be able to comb through all these exotic pieces of armor and say, you know, every, every piece of armor, stompies would be associated with you know mobility so a tier 5 mobility would add a perk tier 10 would add the capstone perk to the exotic this would be a way to bring catalyst to exotic armor maybe um tie it to stats i love what we've come up with it sounds so awesome and sadly i don't i don't think we'll ever see it happen but it could be a great way to bring some exotics out of the dustbin um and not make them feel like well who in the world's gonna freaking pick you know heart of inmost light like who's gonna pick that you know yeah yeah it it was just it was just to me i felt like exotics were too tight i think i think that a lot of like core issues that we have with d2 right now is because of year one and i think i you've hinted on that a lot and i think you know exotics come to that difficulty comes into that um exotic prime like exotic primaries are a great example of you know some of these issues that are highlighted so i feel like there's a lot of things that are issues because of year one and I'm hoping that moving forward with what they're doing, I feel like a lot of these things hopefully will get fixed along the way. Well, and I think some of this, the idea and the hope would be that they just keep coming up with either newer exotics, new builds, or stuff with stasis. So we just all kind of naturally move away from what feels like, well, why would you not do this? Why would you not run fill in the blank? Um, I think that's the biggest challenge they're going to run into is that's kind of that's kind of power creep but at the same time within exotics they need something um and i think what you, exotics yeah <laughs> it, it just it, when you're grinding for a role you have 28 different exotic armor pieces that you can get and at least 10 of them are going to be useless to you right just sunset the exotics lower the loot pool for what you're grinding for don't nerf anything that's strong and there you go that 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 simplifies the loot pool that makes things easier and then if you sunset weapons anything that steps out of line can just stay there and then it can just be gone later on i feel like that would solve an issue as well sorry that was was a little rant there but no no i mean exotics are a problem they're a problem like you've got some in here you've highlighted some that are you know they're almost like a given for certain builds and the only way you unseat them is the same way we it's the same problem how do you unseat the recluse well we need a stronger recluse uh good luck with that you know 
that you're just gonna you're just gonna let that power creep all the way up and that's something that they've got to consider with either either sunsetting exotics which everybody is super opposed to um or I don't know. I think your idea might work because they could comb back through and say the entire exotic system is going to get overhauled. There's going to be a bunch that you're going to really want to consider running, especially if you like to run high mobility or maybe you like running high discipline. Some of these are going to be a lot more appealing to you than they previously were because now they have a catalyst that can be activated and capstone with certain tiers of stats. That could be how they bring exotic catalysts into the game. I mean, I, I think... This is an idea worth, uh, you know, massaging a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, on how they could do it. So, all right, that was really awesome. No, that was good. We'll call it there. That you know, we we went long. People were like, "Oh my gosh, this is so long," and I'm like, "That's fine. That's why we're trying to launch another show. Uh, I'll do a formal announcement on YouTube about like a little video." announcement just to kind of outline it so people know what's coming but we are launching another show and another uh, another channel uh, to do stuff like this in the afternoon because it's so so fun so thank you to everybody who called in today if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify maybe you found this on Google Play uh, you can find SNTR Presents pretty much anywhere that has podcasts if you go to SNTRPresents.com you can join the Patreon and get in the Discord and get the benefits and the perks from that um, and you can also go to saynotorage.com if you want to watch me live. That makes it really, really easy to join in the conversation. Uh, hitting the subscribe and the bell button is free. The join button on YouTube is the same as the Patreon. It's the same tiers and it supports me directly and enables you to get perks and benefits. So if you're listening or watching in all the other locations, I greatly appreciate that. Please like, share, and subscribe. <laughs>